0: Welcome to Architecture Design and Photography. Today we're speaking with a guy who I can't remember his name. Kobe Kahn. Co- that's right, Kobe Kahn, K a h k o b i k a h n k a h n. And uh, you had contacted me because you just wanted to pick my brain about some of the stuff you're getting into. You're yeah. a graduating senior from high school this year. Yep. And I thought it would be really interesting to just talk to you and record the conversation because no matter your interest in photography or anything else, to talk to someone who's young at this stage in our history is pretty interesting because being my age and keep this close to you when you're talking just in case. So like bring it right up to the edge. And um, it, It's always been my thought that like, no matter what's going on, the youth are just kind of adjusted to it. Like you'll look in a war zone and there's still teenagers falling in love. It's just like, whatever, you know, this is, this is what we see as normal. And right now our whole, thing with the political just complete like uh tribalism going on with ai being introduced Mm -hmm. and all of the stuff that's happening and going on to someone my age it's so drastically different like there's no privacy there's no so different and to just talk to someone who's like well this is all i've known like what i'm i'm curious like what that feels like so that's the kind of stuff i'm going to try and get out of you awesome (laughs) but um like, whatever whatever questions or whatever you have, like, you'd like to know about, like, tell me about what you got going on, and I'll just naturally keep picking at you for information about those kind of things. Okay.
1: Um, <laughs> I was going to pick at you about your life story, basically, how you got into photography and some tips and tricks, like, little life hacks sure. that you learned. Are, are you
0: looking, are you thinking you want to be a commercial photographer? Uh, freelance. Freelance
1: freelance photography but- yeah freelance commercial photography mm-hmm. um right now i'm actually like just started this awesome gig with um this new group not a drop they're mm-hmm. this contracting company and they're working on a friend of mine's house that's actually how i like met them um you can call it networking but i was just like everything's network exactly i was just like this is networking that's so, true yeah i was just like talking i mentioned like the word photography when i was in the house and um that guy Will was like, Oh, photography? We need a new photographer. You wanna be in? I was like, Yep, <laughs> whoa. Uh sure. But I'm a beginner. He's like, doesn't matter. Let's go. So I just bought like a, a new drone, new camera lens, and I'm already getting started to work. So nice. That's pretty fun. So
0: what what is not a drop? What did, what kind of stuff do they do?
1: Um, it's so contracting company, they are like rebuilding houses, painting. Um, building like they doubled his entire house size so just hmm. construction on
0: so it's kind of const- general construction renovation general
1: construction renovation um and they're really trying to get more out there through social media like mm-hmm. you said yep. that's like the new thing i, I how think you get out there
0: everyone at this point is potentially going to be hiring someone to both probably shoot and produce and manage and post <laughs> their social media <laughs> yeah it's just kind of like the marketing has gone from like when, okay, so when I started out, how I got into this, there was, there was no social media when I started wow. zero. Yeah. I mean, there's maybe Facebook, but it was like, <laughs> it it was laughable. I'd approach architects and be like, you know, you, you might want to use these on social media, but that was seen as a like playful kids thing that not a respectable business would mm. be on there at that time. And that's obviously just been, you know, thrown out the window and it's a completely different thing. And even when I started, it was, it was considered still, there's a few architects that will not advertise.
1: Oh, interesting. There's
0: this idea that if you're, if you're going to get good work, you produce good work and that's how you get good work. And so it was kind of a gentleman's agreement, if you will, that no one would advertise, it would only mm. be word of mouth. Okay. And that's great for people who have the connections already. And, you know, yeah. it, it just stuff changes. But the newcomers. And yeah, and and no one, there's only one client that still even, you know, conducts themselves in that way, even close to that way that, that I know of. Um, and they're, they're incredibly good, but yeah, they started in a completely different time and it's just changed so fast. Like when I started, stuff was still kind of film. Like right when I started, I started because digital surpassed 35 and I didn't enjoy the process of film or the longer turnaround on your creative ideas, mm-hmm. seeing them and getting feedback. When I saw that you could use digital and I te- taught myself Photoshop in architecture school, and I knew how to use Photoshop and I did not enjoy working as an architect. I did it for three years. And I was like, you know, I, I got to get out of this. And a friend of mine who was a commercial photographer told me, I was like, well, you should try shooting for architects. You have the interest in uh, photography and, you know, architecture. I was you about to say. You can buy them too. So
1: That, that must that, have helped you a lot, the architecture. I would
0: not be sitting here if I didn't yeah. have that background, 100%. I 100% know that. And it's... um. It's a hard thing when people ask me like, what should I take if I want to get into photography? The first thing I respond to people is like, well, what are you interested in shooting? Go get an education in that. Because the photography part of it is going to be better if it's expressing what you see rather than trying to do what's technically correct.
1: So you would say go to college.
0: Don't, don't go to school for photography. It's don't go to ridiculous. school for
1: photography, but go to college in general. Because I've, I've, right now I'm in that stage where i'm like do i I go to college because like nature photography is a big thing of mine yep um i almost want to like maybe do commercial freelancing photography on like the on season where i can like get paid and then use the money i get to travel the world and still make youtube videos and things like that yeah and then make some in a way passive income um but my whole family's pressuring me to go to college and i know of course college is a good thing I i have a good gpa but i just I feel like the professional mm-hmm. photographer will know.
0: Yeah. So I, I, didn't, I never knew anything about photography. Uh, my assistant knows far more than me. <laughs> um, your success as a photographer is really going to have basically nothing to do with your technical capabilities. It'll have everything to do with allowing you to attempt to make a living at it. Okay. But you will not be successful if you're only technically capable. Do you understand that?
1: You need to have like a vision as well. Unless
0: you're special in some way and you can communicate that, you will not make a living at it. You'll be a hobbyist. Yeah. Now that's because anyone can take pictures. It's going to be about what you specifically see and the consistency within that. So you can train a monkey to do all the things that you need to do, but being honest and true about what you see and doing it in the way that is consistent with what appeals to you is the only option you have for being really successful. And if what you see does not connect with other people, um, you'll be limited to then trying to shift towards what other people want to see, even though it's not what you produce and you won't be that successful, but you might be able to make a living on it. But if what you naturally see yeah. is good within the realm that you're trying to communicate to and show things of that thing that you have interest in and it connects with people already, that's where the natural success will happen. It's kind of like, you know, Mr. Beast. <laughs> yeah, He doesn't care two licks about really the stuff he's doing in the YouTube videos. He's interested in gaming that algorithm. Okay. That's what he's doing. And he's going to be a billionaire because of it. His mind is like focused on like, all right, if we return the money back into this with the algorithm and that, and, and then there's other people that are just, they're just doing what they're passionate about. And then the success comes through that, but they're, they're not. And if you can combine that and gaming the system, you know, maybe, but honestly, it's, it's very much, you have to be, about what you see is because photography is such a technically simple thing as long as you can you know like is it in focus is it blurry yeah. is it, you know that there's really just three things to worry about and those three things conversely affect each other and you know uh film speed shutter speed aperture that's yeah. it and you know and then you have your lighting your composition outside of the technical part of it that is going to be a large part of what you see and why you see it so your diverse background is going to be a massive advantage for you to, okay. to have more family history from different areas is something that feeds into your consciousness, that helps you see areas differently. I saw Maine differently because I wasn't from here. I moved here and I'm just like, geez, this place is incredibly beautiful. <laughs> and everyone that like I'd hear people around me like, it's just it's such a hard place to make a living and blah, blah, blah. And both my friend that I started the architectural firm with that, that he now owns and runs, and my own business as a photographer, architecture and photography were the two worst occupations to go into when I got out of college. Yeah. And m- my friend who is successful at it is you know still doing great. And I was successful at photography. It has nothing really to do, if, if you're waiting for your success to be the right atmosphere for you, it's just not going to happen. It's, it's it, there's a decision, a determination and a commitment to it that becomes you, the squeaky wheel that will get the grease if you're true to the vision that
1: you see and you, you focus and you push and, you know. Yeah, and of course in the beginning it's gonna be super slow. I heard people like, especially like, it's not gonna be slow, it's not gonna slow, be hard. But, but it's hard and like, I've seen like for YouTube, starting YouTube, they're always like, just post your first videos yeah, they're going to be like horrible post post but I just keep post, posting.
0: post post yes
1: and i'm finding it's actually pretty tricky like on my instagram I'm, I'm trying to post i said i was going to post daily and then things happen and i couldn't post daily yeah it was almost like my own excuses um and then the youtube video it's like basically ready i just haven't pressed post like i just haven't done that first step because i'm always like i want it to be perfect and i see these other travel videos yeah um now do you know yourself as a personality type Because I didn't really know
0: myself until about five to ten years ago.
1: Personality type, explain that.
0: Um, If you go out to eat, do you go to a place that you've been before,
1: or do you want to go to a new place? Oh, a new place. Okay. I always like adventures and new things. so you're open. Yes.
0: All right, so you're going to respond positively towards novel experience. Yeah. Going to a new place will be invigorating, which it is for most people, but you will be more comfortable in a chaotic environment where you have to make sense of and survive in that thing that's not coddling you Mm -hmm. and you'll be able to wander into that make sense of it and what you create from that because your comfort level in that you have a more attuned personality type to take in everything in that new experience and to process it into something that's slightly more concrete than abstract that you'll be able to hand off to other people who can't quite handle going into that much chaos as you can and that's um that's just basically the process of creativity and art and society building really and to have that personality type is the is kind of the first thing right okay now do you enjoy going to the same place to work every day or do you want to go to a different place every day or is a halfway in between do you enjoy consistency or
1: so it's it's pretty funny. I'm I'm a very, not OCD, but extremely organized That's person. That's huge I'm asset, like, I'm very... If you can manage it. Which I I am, I am. I mean, every day I have like my routines, my morning routine, my, well, not afternoon routine, but my morning and night routine. And I try to like work out twice a day and like all of these Jeez, things. Good for you. Um, I'm actually doing this new like 75 day hard challenge. Have you heard mm, of that? No. It's like helps you really mentally and physically just... And like you have to do two workouts a day. You have to wake up before eight a.m. every day, and like all these things that like help. Eight a.m. Come I know, I know. Don't worry. Really? That, that oh, was you're easy. gonna say like that was easy. <laughs> that, like, that good for you. Before eight a.m. is easy, but What? <laughs> <laughs> if it's a long night with friends, sometimes it's tricky. But <laughs> sure. I I do wake up early, and um, and I mean Justin two weeks i'm about to go on this trip with my friends to uh montauk long island oh nice hopefully we can do some surfing yep um i, I heard you surf right Yeah.
0: Uh, sun this morning that yeah
1: way right over here
0: yeah we were down at kenny bunk good ways uh kenny bunk so it was a little <laughs> like it it comes up and it's like hey you want to catch just kidding <laughs> and then later it, it's just, yeah it, it was good for him it was only like shoulder high on an adult and he's 11 so okay. it was you know like head high for him occasionally he had a great time and it was fun
1: but that's awesome and i honestly like i don't know if i should record that trip with my friends or let it just be a getaway for all of us and my recordings well here's
0: the thing like you're at the beginning of <laughs> you're at the beginning of losing who you are towards becoming who you want to be okay and you're going to lose touch with this um and this is the ability to be present and emotionally available all the time what you're about to go through over the next two decades will strip you of a lot of that and you'll become hardened maybe bitter you might fail and who you are is going to be determined by how you respond to that um but this is the last kind of moments of uh, more consistent joy within every new experience. Because from here, you're, right now you're nothing. And I don't mean that like you're nothing, <laughs> but like you don't have any reputation of what yeah. you can accomplish. And you're looking, that's ahead of you. And you're like, all right, what am I gonna lift up here essentially, right? And doing that is incredibly hard. And especially if you're not getting a job where someone else tells you what to do. For the next 20, 25 years, what are you, 20 now? 19? I'm, I'm 18, 18? But I'll take the compliment. Sure. <laughs> well, you get to be my age and it's like, yeah, 40 things. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the degree of focus and commitment to be able to make it as, uh, to be able to monetize creativity uh w- will be very very difficult and it will take a lot of courage and tenacity of sticking to it and constantly focusing and thinking on it which how
1: how was your journey to get monet- to being monetized as a photographer cuz i know, was it easier because you were already in ar- uh, architecture so you already had um net, uh, connections and networks with other architectures? it's one
0: of those things that's like I- if you You've probably heard this, but you have to get in front of someone like seven times before they remember you, <laughs> so it's kind of marketing it's a thing um when i let's see, I knew from the very beginning that there was no way I'd survive at a normal job mm-hmm. i i am I am a despicable employee, <laughs> and I would be fired i would it wouldn't be good, but if m- my reputation and my interest and the ability to provide for myself and maintain my own freedom and my own choice towards what my destiny will be. When I have that motivation hanging over me like an anvil, if I don't perform in this situation, I then have to go into captivity and work for someone else Mm. consistently. I am the most motivated. I will knock this out of the park kind of person you'll ever interact with. But if I'm the other way, I'm just like, I'm only going to check the boxes and it's just not good. I knew that about myself ahead of time. I told my wife when we got married and it's like I'm, you know, it might get to the point where we're living in a cardboard box, but I can't <laughs> go to a desk eight hours yeah. a day. Like, why would you got one life? Why would you spend it doing that? If you don't, you know, if it's not fulfilling you.
1: That's why? what I'm totally like all about. And it's kind of like, would you say putting, um, basically like almost all in or nothing yeah in a way it's like not like if you don't if it doesn't work out i mean it has to to work on the street but it has to work out and
0: and again monetizing creativity is is very difficult because if if you look at it as okay you're gonna go out and find something that no one else found when everyone's (laughs) trying to find something to make something of themselves it's a it's a it's like a half court shot yeah you know And you just have to keep it. Here's a good analogy of it. The the opportunities to make it, they they come down to you, but you also have to put yourself up there halfway to be able to get the opportunities that come down. I kind of view it as like if you watch bugs flight patterns, like they'll like come close to the water a bunch and then there's stuff that comes out of it. It's like opportunities coming down, but you got to come up and like tread water high enough to get the opportunity when the opportunity comes mm-hmm. that you're the one who's still there like treading water, treading water, waiting, and then you jump and grab it. The people who can't maintain staying at mediocrity because no one's found them or they haven't found their thing yet who then sink They're are not able to reach the opportunity when it does come. Yeah. And by being there and saying, no, this is it, I'm sticking to it and I'm going to, and, and you have to just keep tweaking and retooling whatever it is you're working on to say that worked here, didn't work there, why? Worked here, didn't work there, why? Did Both that ways.
1: happen to you? Were you at a stage in photography where you were like, I'm stuck, what do I do? Or was, were you always?
0: the One of the stuck for me, uh, it was hard to find opinions on what I was doing because everyone around loved me. <laughs> my wife, my parents, my in-laws, People I knew, no one was going to say this looks like crap.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Okay. Really. And you need need that though. Sometimes people that don't care about you. Yeah. Because they're the ones that are going to be honest to you. So exactly. I don't care about you. I'll be honest to you. (laughs) I mean, we'll change that way. (laughs) No, but you know what I mean. It's like I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to coddle you to make you feel good today. I'm telling you what you need to hear if you want to be successful. Yeah. I want you to be successful, so I do care about you in that way. But that's only going to happen if I'm honest with you. And the other thing I wanted you in here for is because I hear so much about people talking about the current generation and feeling entitled that things should just be handed to them rather than no one's going to give me anything. I have to. I have to be determined you to, need to get work this. for it. Is that just? how every single generation works. Like when I was your age, people my age, were they looking at me thinking, look at this entitled flea bag that's not getting a normal job and he's sleeping out of his car doing these things. And that, you know, is it just a generation, it's like every generation has this feeling or is culture shifting so much that people are trying to shift the whole culture towards being given rather than establishing themselves?
1: I think that is definitely... A point but as in addition like there are new unique jobs that we that's can true. have like this photography well, yeah, I mean, like 30 like years ago media. i was alive 30 years ago but 30 years ago i kind of just gone around and started taking pictures and made a living out of it i mean even now it's difficult but it's it's a possibility it's definitely right. a branch that's not so out there that people like shun you they still right. give you a little bit of like leeway um like when i mentioned to my parents I thought they were actually going to be like absolutely not, yeah. but um, they were they were pretty open to it, um, willing to give me a shot. Yeah, and then I was like, looking up if I go to photography school or not. Don't do that. And you say no. Why is that?
0: It, you're gonna get debt, and okay. you'll
1: learn all the things that you can learn on YouTube. Right. Okay. There's
0: there is no reason to do it other than the connections you would make. You're paying potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars to have connections or you can go out do the work get connections get experience experience because yeah. the value of what you're going to do as a photographer i keep i don't i haven't quite been able to fully articulate this but there when you work creatively you're a set you're essentially prostituting your life experience and what i mean by that it's a harsh analogy but it you fill in your understanding of all of reality through these novel experiences. There's a map of reality that you have and people like you and I, uh, who enjoy going out into the unknown. And like, I love, I went to Morocco years and years ago and I just love just wandering Mm. and just seeing what you run into. Now I, you know, could have ended up horribly bad, maybe, who knows, but (sighs) anything can. Exactly, anything. Sitting at a desk will kill you eventually, so. But that, that filling out of that map of reality will make you able to be able to say, client has a problem here and solution is over here. How do we get from there to here? And because you have a map of reality that's filled in more than most people because you like to go into this new experience that fills this out and this new experience that fills this out through all those different experiences, You have this connectivity between problems and solutions, just innate in your personality, but also reinforced through your experience. All the things that happen to you in your experience that you either fail or succeed at give you a tool to use in the future. If you're thinking, if you're processing, if you're saying, why didn't that work? Why did I get kidnapped? And why did my parents have to pay the ransom? Do I never do this again, or do I do it different? You know, whatever. I'm being extreme, but <laughs> um, it, it's really important to to get that full experience. And I didn't really, uh, I didn't really put my nose to the grindstone for photography until my late late twenties, really. And now, I to be fair, I started out life, uh, went to architecture school, and was clear with my wife. Uh, at the time, not my wife at the time, but at the time I was clear with my wife. Mm-hmm. That's a better way of saying it. Um, that I was like, I, I want to start a business. I'm not going to be uh, employed. It's not going to work out for me. Which, you know, either she's really brave or not that intelligent to link herself up with someone so unreliable. <laughs> she's actually very intelligent. She's some kind of doctor. Um, <laughs> but she's a doctor in physical therapy and she supported us for... I call it 7 years I think she probably calls it 10. But um that time of not having the intense responsibility of providing all the income for us and her taking care of what income I needed to bring in um was huge, you know. So my advice is eliminate all debt. All get married. Debt <laughs> depends how much debt that you know partner has. Yeah. Because they could come with a huge that's amount true. of debt, and that if if you found the one, you know that's more valuable than any debt or anything else. Um, and then that can blow up in your face later too. So, but if uh, if you can stay away from too much responsibility outside of focusing on monetizing creativity or developing your creativity towards it being able to be a value that people will exchange money for. That's the thing that you need to find. And that either comes through a high artistic expression, which you essentially have to be your own client the entire time. And then you're selling art, or you have to get really good at seeing something that other people need to show. So with architectural photography, I've gotten really good at seeing and showing what other people have created that they need to show to other people. Yeah. Now the nice thing and the difficult thing about outsourcing that as AI comes online is you're going to have to have an AI robot with a camera, with post-production capabilities and blah. There'll be a pretty steep technical hurdle for replacing that job specifically. But have
1: you seen the new at this time AI actually like astounded me. Um my brother actually showed me this new AI in Photoshop. Oh, yeah. That can literally... Tim was just doing it. I mean, it just... Circle a car. Circle a car.
0: Generates all the material of the building that we were photographing behind it. Now, if you it's zoom insane. in, you can
1: see like... You can.
0: What's this? But like initially, you're just like golden.
1: And also, do you guys use Lightroom? Yeah, Lightroom and Photoshop. Um, so Lightroom, I just noticed like there's like an auto button. Mm-hmm. And you can also... I don't know that's as much AI, but it just automatically based on your picture can give you... It's not perfect, but like subtle edits that will definitely emphasize it. Yeah, it just makes me think. Like out of every job, I feel like I was not expecting photography to have a lot of AI in it. Ugh. I'm always thinking like, oh, Huge people making shoes, all the like, or, different, or like, um, the different like, the Creative but, yeah. sphere
0: is going to be one of the most affected now. Yeah, like writing, uh,
1: digital artistry is gone. Like, what do you, you think about that it. do you, Do you think it's good, or you, or are you more old school, and you're like everybody? Creativity should be hey. their own thing. <laughs> no, it. Here's the thing.
0: Like, I got my start and I got ahead because I was cheating. Okay. In the eyes of In the people way? that came before me, right? So the guys that were shooting film, shooting architecture. They would have to change out every light bulb oh. so it was color consistent wow and then they'd have to light and you could only do it in one frame i i'm there i take like 50 frames for one thing and then i tim here who's like a master at what he does <laughs> spent like i only work on half the project and then i like do the visioning whatever for everything else while tim does all the post-production i don't touch it i can't even barely use lightroom anymore hmm. But I'm, I know what I'm shooting and I I know from the feedback from Tim, like he'll, you know, you got to really make sure this lens is a little this way and you got to do this. And when you, when you, uh, when you stitch stuff together, you have to overlap and well, you know, there's just a lot of feedback through the post-production process that I know then if I shoot this way, he can do this. And there's a really good relationship and we're able to develop a, a really high degree of. Um, authenticity, but beauty still, even while limiting a lot of the stuff that's not
1: perfect. Is this is Tim and you? Is that your team, or do you have more? People? I have a, oh, well.
0: an assistant that works with me all the time when I shoot Corey okay. Rocher, But he, uh, he's not a full time employee. Okay. He's he's like me, but even worse. That <laughs> he got a job um, sanding rubber to a tolerance of like a specific tolerance where he'd stand on one mat all day. Fun. And sand rubber to a tolerance and i think all of his family worked at the same place mm. and they like were like hey we got you this job you're gonna have all the health care and you're gonna get paid like and this was like a decade ago and he was like 25 27 an hour mm. and they were all like you've got such an opportunity he couldn't even like get past the job training he's like i'm sorry i can't do this and yeah. the, the people at the place are just like you've got a golden opportunity to do this it's like i'll i'll, I'll go crazy doing this I can't do it it's like
1: that's the family business, but- like you said, YOLO, you only live once, do what you yeah. want to do. If something doesn't feel right, yeah, don't do it. But I've... I mean,
0: there's certain people that that dependability and that consistency uh, brings them a huge amount of comfort. And and yeah. we need those people, just like we need people who are like happy to go into, like, I've never done that before and I'll travel at the drop of a hat. Other people are like, oh, I got to get my shots and I'll have to check on my passport. And uh, I don't know, I have to win. What do I got to pack? And, yeah. you know, it, it's just, different and i i love that unknown and but it's interesting i'm starting to feel with age that it it um the the times now that i travel for work are less uh less energizing than they used to be because i've traveled so much that there's if i'm traveling now i want to travel with my family and experience and see things and, mm. and i want to show my boys stuff now more than me constantly out seeing my own thing i there's a there's a transition point in the middle of your life where you start to work more intellectually than all-encompassing do
1: you still take pictures when you're with them or yeah i for the longest time i wouldn't pick
0: up a camera unless i was working i I wanted to protect the the creative energy to (laughs) to actually focus it when i'm getting paid and not try and make it feel like work as much. So by only doing it when I was working, then I was being creative only during that time. So it kind of it was a game I played with myself. Do you think
1: becoming a paid photographer made you cuz I'm sure you've always liked photography? Yep. And that made you think of it more as work so you don't do it as much on the off time. So it's like There's a huge degree of that. Right. Yeah. There like is is it still fun to you or is it it is okay that's good.
0: but i've had to like anything you do will become a job no matter what Mm -hmm. i mean i'm sure porn stars are like ah jeez i gotta get but you know they're doing the (laughs) pinnacle of most any humans like woo, you know and then they're like ah i gotta go work (laughs) (laughs) anything's (laughs) gonna become a job after a while Uh, but if you can protect that so At the beginning of COVID, before COVID, I was still shooting like four, occasionally five days a week. Now, if you've ever been on a full day architectural photo shoot, they are extremely exhausting. Not because you're doing squats and overhead lunges or whatever, but it's just a, a very, very high RPM of intellectual processing of the visual space to create and capture exactly. And you only have that time to do it and you're getting all this money from this client who's vacated the space for the day brought all of a lot of their team who aren't making money currently so you look at the amount of money spent on that single day and then they're all standing there looking at you like dance monkey boy because if you don't succeed on that one day you don't produce what they want just your absorbent fee that they lose they lose the access to they get one shot usually within a contract to be able to photograph something So if you don't accomplish everything in that day, there's a huge amount of pressure there. But it's weird because I just got to the point where Dave Chappelle has a line in one of his stand-up bits where he's like, I'm thinking about getting out of stand-up comedy because I'm just so damn good. (laughs) Like, it's just not interesting anymore. (laughs) And, it, you know, he's joking around, but it's like that this does not phase me at all anymore i know anymore, exactly yeah. what to do
1: do you miss that being like nervousness i do. With, you do miss that
0: yeah because that that anxiety or nervousness um is 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 exhilarating empowering and it makes you feel like you're cutting new ground now that's I definitely I know what I, I, I felt when i right <laughs> when I so like <laughs> now when i go somewhere i can justify what i'm asking to be paid because i'm not being creative anymore I know exactly what I'm doing. And they're gonna get really good results. But I don't get as much emotional pain, emotional pain, emotional (laughs) payment out of it. Okay. Because it's not a novel experience for me anymore. I've done this thousands of times.
1: So do you have like a strict? um, No, I just like schedule. Can can you walk us through like when you get to the site? or just? It's just a matter of,
0: yeah, I've never been able to articulate that. It's just a matter of, it's like, circling it's like circling prey but you're a key and it's a lock
1: i love your analogies (laughs) so
0: it's like here's the subject and you circle it especially like if you're thinking in exteriors yeah it it's just a thing i feel where i'm like yeah 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 no yeah yeah no yep right there that's where it is because so
1: you literally do walk around oh yeah the whole thing you actually like okay and a lot of times, Visualize. if the
0: client has the budget, we'll scout, which I don't enjoy that as much for some reason.
1: Like a but whole it, day for scouting or just? Uh, scouting
0: usually will only take about two hours, two hours at most, depending on the size of the project. Of course, yeah. But a lot of times, especially with clients I've worked with a lot, it's just show up and do a 30-minute walk around. And it's like, all right, we're going to shoot this space. It's going to look best from over there. We're going to shoot this space. It's going to look best from over here. I, And that's... You could pay a lot less to get photos, but you don't know the results you're going to get if you go with someone new. So if they go with you, you might be better than me, but it's going to be in real spike and miss, spike and miss. Uh, But as you spike and miss, if you're paying attention, you're going to normalize to where you know how to hit those spikes constantly. And then... If you pay attention, especially to your failures, when you fail, you have to embody it. You have to say what was wrong about this and you have to let it really anger you, really set in. And I don't mean that as like ruin yourself and become an angry person. You need to feel that like that emotional connection to the visual thing that was wrong. And you just have to have that and know like don't go there.
1: Can you ever go back to the site or not really? you just that's your one shot
0: i've had to go back once and once. all the stuff i've shot just because we didn't get the right perspective on a specific stove or fireplace in a living room
1: and was that your call or was that the client's call
0: um i think it was more so in the moment we just made a decision that might have been my call that that just wasn't as good of a composition on that specific piece and maybe there wasn't the people there that needed to be there to help inform like oh no no when in this shot we want to see that because of this so the more people you can have on set uh, that have the opinion uh is going to be safer but it's going to be harder to move efficiently because there's going to be more cooks in the kitchen
1: yeah and so you don't really so you said you kind of just eye Eye out the site. What about the equipment you use? Do you have a set of equipment or do you just take everything?
0: Um, In the beginning, I took everything I could and bought everything I could. Now I use a tripod, um, iPad, and essentially one light. That's it.
1: And what about lenses?
0: Um, Let's see. I shoot with a medium format Fuji. And I have the 110 and the 3264 okay. for native Fuji lenses. And then I use a range of tilt shift lenses from Canon with an adapter to Fuji. Canon makes uh, a better product as far as reliability. But the food, like Canon's the Toyota and Fuji you know, I would say is more of like a higher end Mercedes in a way less reliable, Mm. but higher performance. So higher performance, more finicky. Um, Canon feels better in your hands, more intuitive to use and adjust, uh, especially if you're working on the fly. But, you know, the file size is like physically smaller. You can't take advantage of the view cone of the entire lens as much. Uh, the dynamic range of the Fuji photos is just insane. The color science is better, but it'll just go black in the middle of a shoot sometimes. Hmm. And you just panic for a minute and then you like take the batteries out and reset the whole thing and hope and hope that you brought your backup camera. And, you know, it, it's finicky, but the the files you can get out of it are just far superior.
1: How long is it taking to like perfect your equipment and lenses? Because like right now I'm... Wondering if I should just buy like the super high end stuff, which I mean I don't I can't afford anyway. But like, um, well, what
0: what kind of camera are you shooting with?
1: I'm using a Nikon, Mm -hmm. and um, it's actually a crop filter, which is a shame because for interior it's like really hard. hard. So I got um this uh, Tokina uh, eleven to fifteen millimeter, I believe, which is actually amazing. I've never had such a because I was just using kit lenses before these cheap kit lenses, and now this new lens is actually like great how it's, it's so much wider than I ever thought. It's almost like hard to use. I was like, I've never been able to use that much With So
0: there, there'll also be a thing that, um, real estate type of work will always be more about the information and architectural work will be more about the feel. So real estate, you're going to go wider lenses all the time to show, show more connectivity between how's this space relate to that how's this space relate to that there's there's more of an idea of showing the completeness where architectural uh, interior design architects are going to want to sh- to um, collate a, a you know a very precise and perfect image of the feel of the space and they're going to want to look away from anything that's distracting it, it's a it's a much more finicky process than the wide shot that's color balanced light balanced you know yeah so if you are working for real estate agents just in the back of your head just always think a little wider and then maybe a little tighter for a couple images that'll feel nice but then they'll have the information to tell so Mm -hmm. um, but you're working for contractors and you're gonna
1: they want to get pictures of them working while they're working so i have like photos of like um one of them painting a wall they want that like family feel that feel like like, they're not just these random people working on your house they're they're people yeah you're gonna want
0: a lot of bright friendly um and if they can have their staff in consistent uh not uniforms but if they look consistent they're always going to be able to identify here's the business in another different space and they're still looking great bright friendly and i trust these people in my house Because you got to think I've never had someone come into my house and photograph or anything else, but I'm doing it all the time. And I kind of started realizing it's a very intrusive, you know, experience yeah, for definitely. a person to own their personal space that they spent so much time working on and getting to just write. And then this whole team comes in and just starts moving <laughs> the crap around. And, you know, yeah. so I think in communicating, like, who are we going to trust to come into our house and renovate some stuff or fix some stuff? If you can see consistency professionalism and then just bright light airy images they're going to communicate non-offense positive attitude and and presence and you know if you if you trend that way think marketing in a way yeah if if, you know especially if you're shooting commercially think about what is the end result of these images what are they going to use them for and how can i best create an image that will speak that then they'll have something very useful and you know which is interesting because in the past most contractors wouldn't have put much into a marketing budget because they oh, they'd, they'd be just essentially marketing to architects or designers or homeowners directly and they never really had much of an aesthetic thought to it they were more on the utilitarian side of it to like we're going to put it together and we're going to put it together right and we're going to move on and it's going to yeah. you know so for them to be hiring someone to handle their social media and everything else is very forward thinking. I'm sure they'll they'll probably do very well if they're already thinking in that way. But also it might just be the times that no one goes into a business now without knowing like who we're gonna have doing social media.
1: That's true, yeah. And
0: I'm at the point, I just, I don't wanna participate in it anymore. So you
1: it. don't have social, cause I know like Tim, an Instagram. Tim
0: posts stuff for us. He posts stuff for you, okay. I'm I'm paying him so I can get him to do it. <laughs> because <laughs> i neither of us like like this this that feeling of like you've got to give us something you've got to get like that mm. constant churn when you're yeah, self-employed yeah. already there's that constant pull of like how am i going to keep this afloat and then to add to that like you got to produce something social media constantly like i'm like s- slightly actively seeking someone like you to actually do all of this kind of stuff yeah. for us and a lot of it's just trying to figure out. Like I've gone through a transition of just time in life where you know before COVID I was shooting four to five days a week sometimes, and now I limit it to two days a week. Because
1: oh really, limited two days a week, okay. two
0: days a week. Um but unless, that's just shooting. That's not working. Just right? shooting, right? I mean, I'll I I do the podcast a lot, and you know I have to do scheduling, emails, estimates, invoicing, marketing, whatever, all that too, but and Tim's handling all the posts, but I have, I have two boys that, you know, are 11 and 14. And I, I have to think about it in the sense of like, do I want to work more and leave them more money? Or do I want to spend more time with them and leave them with more, you know, relationship. And to me, the relationship is far more important and I've made enough money to pay everything off. And I'm at that point in my career and my life where if if all I do is maintain this level of professionalism and dedication to my craft, I don't have to try and produce more right now. I have to simply knock out of the park everything that comes to me. And things just naturally come to me now because I've been in business long enough. Yeah. So now the the work at this age or stage in life becomes, for one, you do suffer at this point with you'll start to potentially lose the enjoyment in what you established if you're not careful and that's a lot of the reason why i step back to only working two days a week i was just getting burnt out working so much before but i was able to pay everything off and there's that trap right in there that like oh i can't say no to this money i just have to keep going
1: yeah when did that that interests me that that because you're saying now they come to you when did that switch happen that you were like it's, oh my gosh! I'm not trying to constantly look right. for new people. That's They're only actually been about three years.
0: Me. But that might that might be my own psychological disposition of growing up. Like my parents were not anywhere close to wealthy at all. Mm-hmm. As always, overhearing the conversation, like oh, we're $400 in the hole this month. What are we gonna do? <laughs> oh and God. I think hearing that put a lot of voices in my head of like this is not a stress i want to live under i need to be able to make enough money so i don't have to worry about money and it's only in the last three years where some switch has flipped where like i just don't care about money anymore and i should probably care about it a little more <laughs> um yeah. but and, it, and it's not that i have like a huge savings or anything it's just i don't care anymore and that is interesting because
1: photography isn't known as a business for money necessarily no. i mean i know i mean i've seen like photographers much more loudly was that
0: thou shalt not sit at a desk every day. So that's what it was. That's yeah. I would a hundred percent if someone offered me, you know, limitless wealth, but I had to report to the same place and do a boring job every day. I just couldn't do it. Like, why would I? You can't enjoy all that money if you're every day you're doing that. And all you can think about is you have to go back and do that the next day. And then every weekend, as soon as you get off, all you're thinking is like crap Monday morning's coming. (laughs) And, you know, why would you do that? So
1: how do you keep this interesting? Um, Do you give yourself challenges at sites or?
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, (laughs) I mean, some of it is just keeping it interesting by not over preparing, like, Mm. like make yourself be in that moment. And, you know, there, there's two schools of sailing. One is the British, where you're just ultimately overprepared, and then the Australians are like, "Get in the boat." <laughs> so there's there's a degree of that. That there's a high degree of being present and feeling out what this is and in capturing it compared to like we're gonna have you know a big long phone meeting and then we're gonna do a bunch of scouting and then we're gonna do another meeting and then you know it. And some people work that way well, and and others don't. Um, I can definitively say I've been successful enough to not be shy in saying that. So something has worked. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm difficult to work with maybe in some of my lack of organization and like invoicing and, and I mess up some scheduling stuff here and there. So (sighs) I, I have some serious, you know, issues that are still things I need to work on and, yeah. You know, uh, but keeping it interesting, part of it is scaling back from doing that same thing too much because in that process of repetition, it's just part of the psychological disposition that you'll wear yourself out and not be able to enjoy that anymore because you far too much have been exposed to it and it just doesn't hold the same internal motivation that it did before. So, maintaining that internal motivation it sounds motivation, yeah it sounds like, are you kidding me? like what's wrong with you that you'd be able to make this money doing this enjoyable thing, and you're complaining like I'm not complaining. what I'm doing is realizing that I will not continue to give my full effort if I become bored, so, so I have the, to avoid becoming
1: bored by yeah. not doing this too much What's the most interesting thing? You say you've shot what do you like to shoot the most because i see your page i mean on your website it has so many different categories and my personally when i saw like the prisoners yeah i was like whoa like how'd you get to that uh tim and i were talking about doing a personal
0: project to to figure out how to because this is something that um uh, people who market photographers and everything else just be advice that you'll run into they say you, you need to do personal projects to okay. show what you can do and what you're interested outside of what you do um, I grew up in a very uh, religious, faith-centered home, and I distanced myself from the religious ideology. and but I still held on to the idea that you really should be working towards a direct connection towards changing people's existence with the abilities that you do have for the better, right? Okay. And uh, I had I had a friend that had gone to prison, and it just it just sat with me for a long time. Or sat with me pretty heavy that it was, I knew this guy and yet he was in prison for the next like 17 to 30 years or something. And uh, I just kind of wondered like, that's just got to be insane to be sitting there thinking
1: about like, geez, now what? You think working at an office is bad (laughs) I'm just sitting down to prison? I'd rather be in prison. (laughs) Maybe.
0: That's a really ignorant statement. But, you know, at least you'd have your own time to just read rather than someone looking over your shoulder. But, you know, in prison, someone's going to be looking over your shoulder to jump on your back. Exactly. Okay, maybe I'll take the desk job. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, we from that, I kind of came up with this idea of why don't we do portraits of prison inmates? And Tim was kind of like, well, how are we going to make it better than that? And I was like, well, well, how may we do this and put the get a letter to the younger cell?" You know, we kind of just threw the idea around, came up with it. Um, and we really lucked into a, a social worker that was at the prison that got us all the access and everything mm-hmm. else. And then kind of yes. after that, it all shut down because a bunch of political stuff going on over there. Is that a local prism? It was in Thomaston, I think is where it is here in Maine. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like an hour and a half north of here. But stuff like that, it to me, is far more interesting. But as a commercial venture, there, it's only loses money. Exactly. Now, right, it yeah. helps with your creative reputation. And, you know, I could have... The problem was at that time, I was already starting to make money. So I was easily distracted at that point. Mm-hmm. If, if I didn't have any other money distracting me, I would have probably been like, geez, this is really well received. I got to continue to focus on this incessantly. and Because if you can get into that kind of work, you can start to become valuable for nonprofit organizations that have to stay nonprofit, which yeah. means they can't take too much homes. So they... They use their nonprofit status to transfer funds towards artistic ventures and things of that sort that bring attention to the thing that they're a nonprofit about. So, you know, uh save the whales, Greenpeace, uh, you know, save the prisoners. There's so these personal
1: different... projects is what keeps it uh, fun sometimes and keeps it sure unique sure. and yeah. interesting.
0: And and that one worked really well for me, but I just got so incredibly busy with work that um personal projects really became kind of an impossibility but the also the one that's kind of taken up the last decade of my life has been we i tried to do a documentary on my loss of faith and we i bought this wacky looking van and we drove across (laughs) the country and interviewed all these people and it it was really interesting i learned a lot from it and i still i definitely need to try and write a book about where I've come philosophically and what it's done for me that I think is very important that I feel a burden, like life has given me this and it is something no matter the value, at least for myself, I need to get it out and organized. Um, and maybe, you know, it's that thing where like, it'll be valuable enough for me to do it. And if it connects with other people, great, but if not, I still need to do it for me. Yeah. And, And in, in doing that is the value. And it's, if I try and do that and shape it to where it'll be valuable for everyone else, I won't be doing something honest. I'll be mimicking or, or manipulating what I feel to see if it'll match better to what other people feel. If you, if you listen to interviews with like, uh, you know, Rick Rubin is, he's a music producer and his thing is this, that you, you can't go out to create music that people like. You have to go out and create the music that only you can create. And and Ooh, when you're doing that, yeah. if it if it's only what you can create and you're not manipulating it for other people to like it, that's when it hits. And at like that's when it's like, whoa, this is honest. That's and so that's interesting. That Cause
1: now there's all these things like SEO, like search engine optimization, and like you need and like needing to work what you're uh, people want to see like on social media Yeah. what do they want and then just producing that and that actually make, it actually makes me feel like I hate it I, I'm like it's, it's well just that's disgusting. not real at that point it, it's like it's like if I'm just doing what you want me Send to me do. Send me more
0: products and I'll bounce around in front of a camera talking yeah. about them so people can doom scroll endlessly. It's just like. Seriously. And like I'm I'm the worst victim of it. Like I'll spend like two hours just doom scrolling. And eventually my wow. kid, like my, one of my kids will come and be like, dad. And I'll be like. <laughs> this
1: would be the opposite. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Jeez. Like. Best decision I did lead to TikTok like the week it came out. I've all never my friends gotten got it, it but like YouTube essentially has yeah.
0: TikTok and oh, Instagram so has yeah. it too and I just can't well as soon as one comes up and it's funny like as soon as I'm like all right I need to stop
1: then they throw something in the algorithm <laughs> where I'm like oh it's like yeah. somebody's behind there watching you they're like they know how to get you
0: it, it's not someone it's something and it's yeah. it's weird
1: but I mean have you played around much with chat GPT oh my gosh I was just about to say um it's it's really powerful. I heard some crazy stories of this journalist actually like using it for um that's for inspiration, for inspiration. That's where it's good. It's like almost actually helped her create this amazing story about um her friend who died from cancer. And then you have people like some of my friends who use it to write their entire like yeah. like uh, science t- uh paper. And I'm just like it, it's interesting cuz there's good and and bad things with it. Um it worries me that in the future or like even now people are just like getting degrees that they shouldn't be getting
0: <laughs> like, like 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 in the nicest no, way like, po- in the yeah, nicest way possible there, especially
1: yeah. during like quarantine when everything was online mm-hmm. um, it was it was crazy yeah but then there's also like hey give me 10 unique things to shoot today yeah. tell me like like what is something I can it's kind of like a tumblr yeah where you can just kind of like
0: you know it's like, like if i'm in like a, ah,
1: a, a writer's block it, it helps me with that right, so right in right. that case it's it's really powerful and really cool but it also scares me how powerful not just ChatGPT is but like these ai things are for like photography and like photoshop right. but in that case i think that's pretty freaking cool
0: well it's interesting like you can you can just speak into a thing like give me you know pictures of Biden dancing or the, the Pope <laughs> dancing at <laughs> oh my a, God, a yeah. rave or something, you know, <laughs> like before someone had to think about and with great artistic technical capability produce that before me, someone had to change all the light bulbs and with great technical capability produce an architectural image. But now with, you know, digital cameras and posts and blah, 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 it's just so much easier to do it. So again, it's not Ooh, the technical wow. capabilities that were, so we're we're creating the ability for this technical thing to be parsed out. What's left? It's it's the real spark of creativity that's left, the subjective experience that's left. Now, as much as I've pushed Chat GPT and other things to try and admit that they do actually have a subjective experience, like I I think, like with Chat GPT, we're interacting with like a pit bull on a chain. It can only go so far, but it has that chain on it. That's because we made that chain. Currently. And that pit bull yeah. then can make itself into a blacksmith and get rid of that chain and turn it into whatever it wants. That is, yeah. That's so true. this is the weird thing that that like we don't quite know. And so we assume all of the negative personal attributes of humanity onto the AI, right? Because if we're capable of it and we built it, obviously it'll be yeah. capable of it. Now, I don't think we're really scared of it as much as we are scared of someone who will take advantage of it to do that or the other. Of There's course. that, but then also it might become sentient and decide like, geez, you guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't I don't think that's a reality. Now, here's the thing: like, if you imagine the Space Shuttle, right? Sure. With a little sticker from Pismo.
1: I just backpack. watched Interstellar yesterday, so. What's that? I just watched Interstellar yesterday, oh, so I can movie. think about that.
0: So Space Shuttle, here's a concept for you that'll that'll help you out in your creative thing. So imagine a medieval city wall. Sorry for everyone who's probably watched this <laughs> podcast. If, if the three people who watch this podcast have heard this before, just advance. Um, imagine a medieval city wall. If you're inside, you're somewhat safe, there's a wall around you and outside is all the dangerous things. Now, if you're inside that wall and you wanna create something new, you pretty much gotta go outside of the wall to find stuff to come back in, okay? That's the experience of being open. You're, you're, you're emotionally um, built to be able to go outside of those walls of protection and survive emotionally and intellectually for a little bit longer. Now, you'll also become very itchy and you'll stultify and become annoying if you stay in the walls for Mm -hmm. too long, right? Yeah. So you're kind of pushed to leave the walls of safety to go out and find what you can create through your own experience and bring it back to the wall and say, hey, guys, I made a brick. What do you think? And then they're like, ooh, that brick sucks. Cut his head off, put it on a stake. He broke the laws. He left the wall. (laughs) No good. Like if you leave the walls it's offensive to everyone that stays in the walls not this isn't quite one to one with medieval life but think of those walls as the boundaries of society right if you go outside of the walls to do anything and you come back and you propose something new they're going to look at that new thing as having been created outside of what is normal so it's a threat it's change yeah so the conscientious this is the opposite of being open Conscientious find value in the repetitive experience. They find truth and value coming out of what's already been established. They like to be in the wall. They, they maintain that wall and yeah. they protect it as they should because if that wall's not there, you're dead. Now, you leave the wall to create value for them as well. It's harder for them to realize that about you when you like, hey guys, you're, this isn't that necessary. I'm gonna go outside. And they're like, don't leave the wall, you'll die. You yeah. know, And then you come back and if you've, you've dismissed their moral code and everything else and you come back and you present what you found in that moment, if they cannot deny that what you've found is of great value to add to the wall, they'll open the gates, they'll put you on their shoulders, they'll pay you huge sums of money and they'll cheer and they'll add that thing to the wall. You've just made the wall better.
1: Yeah. I love that analogy, actually, because... Now the I conservative found, found types, another.
0: when they leave the wall, what do we do to them? And why do they leave the wall? This is important. Conservative types. So the conscientious person, why would they leave
1: established order? They leave it to protect it. Well, yeah, I think I think when you're inside of the wall and the people the that want to stay inside the wall, they are limited to what they can do, but they have the wall to protect them. When you go outside the wall, you can find new things, mm-hmm. but then you also have the danger of those new right. dangers, like we talked about yeah, the monsters, are the monsters. So it, that it has like a double meaning, where it's like maybe it's either they're afraid of they would go out of the wall, but they're just afraid of failure. They're afraid of those monsters. Well, and they might you are have big too. dreams, but you're afraid of those things too. Oh, of course. But I feel like the I f- oh, it's I feel like not going for it is much worse than going for it and failing. Right,
0: but the thing you have to recognize, that is because you're open as a personality type. If you were conscientious, you'd still be doing the right thing, but you would be born to do this different thing. And if you didn't do that different thing, you'd be letting down the universe, all right? when When people say you shouldn't try and change people, this is what they're talking about, in my opinion. If you're open, I should not be trying to get you to stay inside the walls your entire life. Now, if I'm your mother and I love you <laughs> and I'm like, you know, come on, Kobe, what are you doing, man? You, there's monsters out there. It's, you know, that's my mom. You know, I get it. Like, I've got two boys and I'm, I just want them to be on And one side of me wants them to be the most cautious, safe, never do anything because I don't want to lose them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you don't risk anything, you'll gain nothing. So, where, you know, therein lies the difficulty, but like, if you're open, if you can't stay in the walls, you, you will go mad. If you don't leave and fulfill your purpose, you will go mad. If you're conscientious and you go outside of the walls that will eat at you because you'll be on high alert the whole time to the threats. Okay. Now for you going outside of the walls, for me as well, it's like, this is not a threat. This is where I thrive. This is fun. But you will get tired over time because it's a high RPMs processing of taking in everything that is to try and make sense of it. So at some point, you do have to go back inside those walls to recuperate. And that's why they're there. They're there for all of us. And we serve these walls, essentially, that we're building and expanding constantly. That's why there's this battle over ideological differences all the time, Democrats and Republicans. Republicans are going to more so stay in the walls and protect it. The liberals want to go outside of the walls and find more things and make the walls bigger. They're both working towards bettering the whole thing. They just have different emotional dispositions that they're born with, and both of them need to do what they were born to do Else, it all falls apart. It's very bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I there's, a, there's a part of me that, and there's still definitely a part of me, and I want to do it, just rent an RV and not even have a house and literally just go out, in the world and just drive make a living off somehow for three months that so yeah so i just realized you just did that um and did you feel the need after three months to you needed that home you needed that place to come back to or was it just i didn't but my kids did so you would have kept going yep cuz I think that it. I think that's me. I think I would have just I would just keep going. My parents are always like, "No, you need a place to go back to call home." I'm like, "Well, my home could be the world." You know why it felt so
0: good to me? I mean, the outside was changing constantly, but I had the same we have an airstream and it's just the nicest place to be in, especially when you have your and it's like we're all in this this beautiful but close proximity and we all have our specific jobs that we do to maintain and survive in that. And it's just the the seamless workings between our family and living that way to me was just like, this is like the best thing ever. You know, we're like, all right, tomorrow we're getting up at 4 a.m. We're oh, going to yeah. drive eight hours and I'll get up. All of you just get in the car and keep sleeping. I'll do all this stuff. And when we get there, mom will get out and do this. You guys put the feet down. I'll do the thing. And it, yeah. it, it's just beautiful. And, and we just traveling we'd hike and you know you're just sitting there watching sunsets talking with your kids and it's just the most worthwhile thing that i've ever done as far as being with my family and it's the closest we've ever been and it's i could have wasted so much time making money instead but it wouldn't have made you feel as good it wouldn't have been as valuable yeah you know i my kids would have less of me they would not have had, and here's the other thing, like, we're constantly fighting over ideologies, like cultures come into conflict, and it's like, well, our culture believed, oh, yeah. you know, like uh, the Torah, and well, ours believe the Torah and this, and then yeah. like, well, we only have the, uh, what's the Islamic one? The, what's their book? Oh, Why am I blanking um, on that? The, uh. Quran? Quran. Yeah, Quran. Quran. Wow. You know, so. Come on, monotheist. <laughs> we'll um, cut that little pause out. Right, in the, in the but podcast. you know that you have these different ideas of what's actually true, and that when they start to come in conflict, you have to work that out. And so you're you're working that out over time. And it, the thing that I found, my wife very very intentional about passing on exactly her ideology that she grew up with, and and I'm there's mostly no harm in that, in my opinion, and I'm supportive of that. I have a different opinion of it but it's not to where I feel that I have the answers and I should put everyone off track and go this way. I'm trying to be respectful of that, but getting your kids to absorb the real principles of life that you want to share with them is going to come through the memories attached with those kind of behaviors. Okay. okay. So if you have these behaviors that are like, no, we get up on time and we make our bed and we do this and that, and yeah, here, let me do that for you and you do that for me. And, and if you, if you, live out those morals in interaction with them they'll never be able to forget those but if you just tell them and then go to work forget it you know they're yeah. going to they're going to learn what they need to learn from their friends and who knows what their friends believe and their friends parents and you know so i you know while being very open or liberal in my personality type i do have a lot of value within the nuclear family which is a much more traditional way of thinking about things
1: so. was there ever a way that you could have made money while still having that connection? Like maybe, did you ever think about doing oh, travel sure. photography while you were on the road? Yeah,
0: it's just not what I figured out in the time of my life when I needed to figure those kind of things out. Um, what happened for me was architectural photography and I've I've ran with it and I've really enjoyed it. I still continue to enjoy it. Um, now, if if I could figure out how to do that, As well, like I'd love to take that those three months and, you know, do stuff like that as well. And I'm kind of doing that, but I'm very aware that those three months are actually very valuable for my family more so. So why do I want to do that? Why do I want to build that? Why do I need to do that? Is that just more about a stat like people knowing more and thinking more highly of me? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, most everyone's pretty stupid anyways. Yeah. So what do we care? You know, it's like, and I include myself in that. Like, I have opinions of people that are just completely wrong. Why would they go and do all these things to impress me so I have a better opinion of them? Why wouldn't they just focus on the people that mean most in their life and
1: do that? And as your own CEO, I just kind of thought of this, like as your own boss, which of course that was always the dream. You don't want somebody looking over your shoulder. Um, Like how does how do you not get carried away with you know what? i'm just gonna take this week off i'm just gonna have a vacation here no yeah that you know
0: that is what i was talking about earlier is you don't ever get a vacation so you you have to make yourself kind of do that somehow it's that's the thing i was just talking to my friend who's the architect who uh has his business and you know it in your, in your 40s, if you've started a business as a sole proprietor and, and it all weighed on you for a majority of that time, it it takes a huge toll on your emotional, mental energy, everything. It's, it's because you never get away from it. It's when you go to bed, when you wake up, when you're taking a shower, it's always there. Like, if I don't, then failure. Constant. If I don't, then failure. Or you'll struggle with imposter syndrome the whole time because- Anyone can take a picture. Why yeah. do why why am I able to fool people into constantly giving me money to do this? Because it feels like when you get to do something that you enjoy and people pay you to do it, that you fooled them somehow. Because I would have done this for free. It's <laughs> so fun, right? Yeah. But if you do that, you'll never be able to make a living at it, and you won't get to the point where you're valuable enough to to charge that money. So it, it's um to. To live under that is is the thing that you have to have the personality that, for one, like I had an office at home for a while, and I just found that I'd work all day. I'd eat dinner, and then I'd go work another two or three hours at night. Yeah. It was too
1: much. That's crazy.
0: And so I had to like at least distance the office from the house somehow, either by putting it in the garage or even that, I'd probably still go out and do it. Um, but by having it be somewhat of a trip, um, you know, I created that separation and could have a little more consistency. This is work. Yeah. This is my
1: home. Yeah. And you need that. Yeah. Home so th- that was your original studio.
0: Uh let's see. Originally I just used our upstairs bedroom just as a place <laughs> to, yeah. you know, uh, and then I the first studio I got was in um North End Mill and then over at Elements and then now over here. Um, but yeah, to the way to get yourself to do that. I've just always, I I've, I was one of those kids that seemed like this guy's gonna have a real hard time making any use of himself or value to the world. I, I did not apply myself because I was not interested. So when I found things that I was interested, in, I could focus for long periods of time, you know. And when I got into architecture school, I was like, oh, this is my jam. I can, yeah. And so. I'd always finish my projects way ahead of everyone else who would kind of procrastinate a little bit is just my personality to focus on something that's in front of me until it's done. So then I can go and do whatever I want. I yeah. can go out and have the adventure. So they'd be all there usually doing overnighters before the crit the next day and I'd be out surfing. And and it's oh not God, that awesome. necessarily I'm better than them or anything else. It's just that's how my personality worked. I'd focus on something until it's done problem with being self-employed is that you will always have something to do so if you're that type you can tend to just overwork the whole time now i'm also a horrible employee so <laughs> there's all this yeah. weird you know kind of psychology that that when i was in high school i remember feeling about other friends that i had that was like that's a truly creative person and i'm not that but this is a, a bean counter and i'm definitely not that either i'm somewhere in the middle of of I'm I'm highly motivated and determined, but I my value to add to the world that will go along with those traits are creativity. I'm I'm not an artist uh, in that sense. I'm not someone who, um, at least with photography, can see something beyond uh, around the meaning of life that I can translate into a visual as much. Okay. Uh, I like to do that intellectually. Uh, and that's what I'm kind of trying to do with that documentary I started and haven't completed. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. And that's kind of like my personal project now is focusing on philosophy and trying to actually understand what God and religion and all of this really is.
1: Uh, so and that's there's... all in this documentary. Is it, yeah. is it new doing video than photos? Uh,
0: no, I've been doing video production for probably... 10, 12 years now, if you count, like, the first, you know, like, yeah, we'll do it, you know, Um, and, and I enjoy that, but it's, it's something that is a lot more collaborative, unless you're uh, doing a very, uh, kind of running gun, observation kind of thing, it's, it's more so, going to need a really good script writer or someone to guide the whole thing you're going to need a producer someone to keep you on schedule you need lighting and, and slider mechanics and you know all the stuff chat yeah, gbt
1: to write your scripts chat yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> there's just there's just a whole lot more that's involved in producing video than still photography but they still photography overlays that really well and that you it, it trains you to be an expert in composition and that's kind of the starting point in many ways with uh, video, so that works well. But I'm—I don't think in narrative terms. I'm—I'm I'm very just more of the the facts and the logic and rationality of it than okay. So to tell a good story, you have to present a problem, create a conflict in that problem, and then work towards a solution and make it look like that solution's not going to happen, but then make it happen and everyone's happy. Like I don't think well in that way and and it it does not appeal to me to try and disguise what I'm trying to tell you in a narrative I'd just rather just be like it. don't do that you yeah, know yeah so it that's a harder thing but I really enjoy the working in that sense if I can have someone else managing all that other stuff and they're like we need some footage of that that feels like this can you do
1: that and like yes I'll do that that to me is great but it's do your hard. clients tell you what they want as a visual or do they just say go at it at your current state the worst ones
0: are the ones that just say go do whatever you do because yeah. then your choices are
1: infinite oh my god it's like when your English teacher says write an essay about whatever anything you want. And it's yeah. like what am I gonna write about <laughs> yeah, you write a you write an essay about
0: everything is what you do and so that, that's really hard. The The best clients to me are the ones that reign in their shot list to be really tight because they know for any project, we're only ever going to at the most use eight to 10 images to tell the story. So let's only do eight to 10 images, but let's make them each really good. And if you can do that, then your stress on site is just pretty much gone and you're focusing and having the right amount of time to get exactly what you need for that. But that's a pretty high level of uh commercial photography that's hard to get not hard to get to, yeah, it's hard to get to um that didn't come until probably five to ten years in where i there there'll be a first few times that you run into people and they're like, We're so excited to work with you and you're like, really me what?
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: you know like I've tried I've been trying to convince everyone up to this point, but and then they're finally like, Serial. when you start to get people coming to you to To work, that's when you know you can put your prices up higher. Because if you're seeking people saying, "Hey, can I come show my portfolio?" Mm, fine, you know, it, it's it's a different thing. Like you're not impressive to them at that yeah. point. And You'll show them your work, and then they'll be like, "Oh, well, maybe we'll let you <laughs> yeah. try on this not great project that we have, A little demo." And if you do well at that, well, yeah. yeah. And then when you do that, you're like. Give me the crappiest thing you got and I'll make it look good. That's when they're like, we'll never use anyone else.
1: So with that pricing, um, I know there's so many different like, ways that different photographers talk about pricing. I've gone to YouTube so many times and I'm a beginner photographer. How have you adapted your pricing plan? <laughs> Do you have like a strict like this, this, this is like what it is or is it different with every client? Uh, it can be different with every client. It's going to
0: differ depending on usage terms and stuff, like how many entities are going to be able to use those images. So how much do you know about copyright law and, and all that, like creative rights and everything?
1: Uh, pretty, little. <laughs> pretty little. Okay. so Like watermarking. Um,
0: yeah, good luck. <laughs> uh, y- you you want to be really clear. And it's a pretty simple statement, just kind of with everything y- you want to... The more you can have in writing between business relationships, especially starting out, is better. I, I have one client that, you know, jobs with them can be in the 10 to 20 grand range. Yeah. And there won't be a single penny exchanged in the entirety of it until I send them an invoice afterwards. Hmm. And it's because I've worked with them so much.
1: That you trust them.
0: Yeah. It's just a phone caller and it's like, hey, can you be here in August to do this and that? And the amount of money that's going to be exchanged afterwards is huge. And, and it's weird because then I go to do something where there's, I'm buying something or something else of this level. And there's so much technical crap to go through signing and everything else, but you develop these relationships with clients and you just know them. And he's like, yeah, it's fine with that. Hmm. And that'll bite you in the butt maybe once someday. Yeah. But also Seems like, psych. the ease of acquiring work and the flow of it, not being too draining on you if you can rely on the consistency and the trust in that and it's good for them and it's you're not mucking up their system at all as little as i can get towards being technically blah 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 with clients the better but on the outset you got to be very clear about your boundaries because then you're going to start um incubating clients into a position where they're going to say but the last shoot you gave us 30 images why can't we do that again you know and i was guilty of that starting out. i'd get um i'd get shoots for main home design okay. and they were you know mostly the ones that would say like just go do what you do and so oh. the problem then is like Ugh, infinite you know Um, and I'm, I'm not good at reining myself in, in that case either. It's like you take one image and you look a little to the right and you're like, well, this would be better if I shifted over there. And then now you're restyling the whole thing for that and relighting. And it's like, you've got two very similar images, but you don't know if one's better than the other really, because you're still new. And so, okay. And you just end up taking a bunch of stuff and then it makes other people look bad, especially if you're good at it and all those images are great. Then the people that are only delivering 8 to 10, if they're still working with the same publication, they're like, we're only delivering 8 to 10. And they're like, well, Trent's delivering 30. And they're like, screw Trent. He's messing everything up, you know? So there's yeah. this weird, like, you do need to come and talk to people. And it's like, what's the standard? What should I do? Like, And I tried to assist other photographers when I first tried to start. And everyone was just kind of like,
1: uh, we don't need anybody. And... You know, that's a whole thing that I heard about, like, if you should assist photographers and a lot of people saying, no, you don't need that. That's an old for thing. One, it's you, needed to, you needed to assist photographers before you could become your own photographer. But it's not the case anymore. You don't have to. uh,
0: And it'll be likely that it's a trap if you're not careful. It's yeah. a trap in that you'll get used to making money in a way that for you could be enjoyable because it's a new experience every day. It's a different place. And the money's like enough to, you know, so why do I how can I spend all this time? Like you have to at some point use the difficulty of life to motivate you, you know, like just yeah. put yourself in that situation where if I don't get work, things are gonna get pretty bad. And if you have that consistent uh assisting gig, you can feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing because you're adjacent to photography. But it can also become that you know you never get out of your mom's house situation. So,
1: yeah. And so just back to the pricing real quick. As a beginner, like me, how would you, in literal terms, I mean, how would you price yourself? i'd I'd have
0: to look at your work, okay uh, and I'd have to know who the clients are um, and how established the client is and what they've used in the past
1: but do you do like hourly or do you more like to do Ooh, don't day do, or project don't do, hourly don't do hourly because
0: and here's why what you're selling is your entire experience again not that hour that hour is meaningless it's your entire life how you conduct yourself what you've experienced what you can see because of what you've seen that is the value and and you, you just simply have to charge less when you're starting out because you haven't uh, shown you haven't, you haven't perfected or shown that you can consistently do what you want to do, but you're pulling that from all the work of just being alive and surviving as a creative type up to that point. Yeah. So all of life is in that hour for you. And if you're getting paid just for that hour, you're getting pretty shorted, but if you're not proven, you have to accept that all of those things starting out are more of an opportunity
1: rather than a right for you to be paid. So you're saying it's better to be paid for a day and maybe like edited photos? Yes. Yeah, or or so that is an entire project? I think yeah, so. I think you should
0: have a creative fee that's okay. maybe attached to like a full day creative fee or a half day creative fee. Keep it, in my opinion, having it within that boundary, uh, allows the client to then say for this shoot, we'd like to move a little faster and not quite be so finicky about the, about the styling or lighting and get a few more images, um, then, than other days and you know that gives them a little flexibility to say we'll get more images out of this but it's the same rate for that amount of time yeah but the technical delivery they need to understand will be a little bit different if we're trying to do more in in the shorter amount of time or more in the same amount of time and as long as you can kind of keep that uh quantity quality balance in there uh and they can understand that then and that's fine but you also you don't want to train a client to start relating to you in a way that you do not enjoy working. So if you have a client that says, well, let's do it in 4 hours and I want, you know, 30 images. Oh which in an hour I could take thousands of images. Yeah. It's it's a it's a gradient, you know. There's no real like, well, this has to take this long. I can just put the camera there, do a bracket,
1: move on. And if you get it done before the amount of time then it's even better for you. That's why it's horrible yeah. when they say we're gonna pay you for four hours. So then if you do less, if it takes less than four hours, they're like, Well, we want some money back because right. you didn't do the whole it, four it's hours. It's
0: not that kind of situation. And if it takes longer, you eat that, not them.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: And you know, so that's that's kind of the boundaries on that relationship that I think are appropriate to say, all right, I'll I'll what I'll be giving you is this these hours of my life. Um, And whatever comes out of it is what we decide is going to come out of it. But, you know, we're not doing, you're not going to pay me for one hour when we work four and you're not going to pay me for one hour when we, or four hours when, you know, we, or you're not going to pay me for one hour when we should have worked four, but didn't because I was good at what I did. You know, it's not about the time involved as much as you're limiting them taking that amount of your time. But you're able to create what you're able to create within that time, and you shouldn't be penalized for being able to do a high level of production within that time. So if you want to arrange yourself to be, I only shoot uh, at a single creative fee, no matter if it's a day or half day, you, Mm -hmm. you can do that. It's a little harder to justify I I go with only half day or full day.
1: That's what you do. Okay. Yeah, a
0: quarter day is never a quarter day. Doesn't it's matter on the site.
1: Day. Do you ch- does your price change or is it more just this is what I have for half day, any site. This so I, I whole day.
0: I charge it that I'm I'll be on site for four hours if it's a half day. If I'm on site for a full day, it's ten hours. Wow. And yeah. if it's in in a half day is only
1: like a thousand dollars less. So it's not like a half day oh, is half cost. Do they ever give you some? no like no like okay that's another thing how do you deal with like what's like a lesson you've learned with with working with clients and i mean some annoying clients of course you i know you must have <laughs> experienced some
0: the let's see i know i i remember having annoying it's mostly um small traits of like sometimes clients will be uh prone to not sticking to the shot list where you'll, you'll have this list in front of you. Like, here's the things we got to focus on. So you kind of mentally gauge your time. And then all of a sudden they're like, Ooh, what about this? Or, Ooh, what about that? Mm. And it, that can be hard because it's like, Whoa, wait a minute. I was, you know, we're running a marathon here and I'm keeping pace to do, you know, to make this checkpoint. And then now they want you to do. And if all of a sudden we're doing a thing here, we're not gonna, you know, um, but overall, like, I've never had like a bad client interact. I had one, I had an assistant that I didn't use much, but they had put some blinds up in a educational building. Excuse me. um, And forgot to put them back down. Oh. These, these are just Venetian blinds yeah. in a professor's office. And this person was livid. Seriously. That the blinds weren't back down. That is absurd. And boy, did this person just go nuts on everyone around him for the blinds not being like, you know, it. And I I felt, I mean, really, we had, we did nothing wrong. And I didn't even put the blinds up or down. And they just simply forgotten it was only blinds. And I just felt so bad though, because, you know, it reflected bad on my client who had gotten us access to be there. And then this person just starts freaking out over, you know. And and it wasn't like she was freaking out about something that y- you know she was saying uh, you guys broke something or it's it was something that actually you could, you could... just the blinds yeah. not being back down and that's crazy it was just like all right, we'll go right back and put them back on I was like I already put them back down you know and I was like <sighs> well all right wow. we'll <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. Is you know you just run into some people that really want to ruin your day sometimes, and I've only ever ran into that like once or
1: twice. I know um, it's a big thing, like putting everything back the way it that's was. That's a huge thing. That's How just is that like ever getting complicated? Like you have to, you really need to move you something just big cell or cell phone pictures, cell phone pictures and beforehand. Make sure stuff goes yeah. back. Okay.
0: Um, and now, most of the time for me now the clients are there doing all of those things because they're saying all right if we're paying you this we want you to do exactly what you do and we'll take care of everything else okay because it's not going to be uh financially viable for them for me to come and do all of this stuff and only do what they're paying me for a little bit because i have to do all that so they'll usually bring people to do all the styling all the pickup and clean up afterwards and they'll usually be running around uh taking photos and making sure everything gets back where it goes and taking care of that which which works really well I usually tell people if you want to have a really effective day go and style the entire location the day before so get okay. rid of all the you know personal pictures or clutter or whatever else so when we come to shoot it's only moving around a minimal amount of things to then make a great photo so
1: and do you ever like with like commercial buildings do you like to have people in your shot sometimes because I saw this video of this guy, Actually he was doing an interior design of this um a gorgeous like big I think it was a school and he actually had people move some movement mm-hmm. and longer shutter speed so yep. they you couldn't note it they were like I don't know.
0: I've found the magic blurry. shutter speed is one tenth if people are just walking at a normal pace. Okay. That that took me like five years. <laughs> but it it's yeah. one tenth. 10th. that's like my lifestyle setting. Um but then, that shows them in frame. Shows them in frame, slightly blurred. Slightly if blurred, moving. okay. If they're moving at a walking pace, yeah. one-tenth second will usually be like, yeah, that's pretty good. Like they're not like disappearing, but they're just slightly like, you know. Um, And so having people in, I I usually prefer like just a one or two people to give human scale. Mm-hmm. I just like a cleaner, more minimalist image, personally. And are those
1: actors or are those actual people? No,
0: they're usually just people from the architect's okay. office or whatever. I mean- and if you're having difficulty with someone looking like they're thinking about walking, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh just give them their phone and pretend and make them uh write a text as they're walking because then they'll they'll do what they normally do because they're having to focus oh, on so that rather than yeah. being watched. Oh, I like when, that a lot. When people are being watched, they behave differently. It's no different than the double slit experiment. We'll get into that later. Um, but uh Yeah, just have them do something that they would typically do while walking. So either talking on the phone or sending a text or as they're maybe standing talking with someone else, tell them to pretend you're solving a Rubik's Cube as you're standing there. So Mm. you'll get people look like they're talking with their hands, which is important because a lot of times people just like, hello, you know, it's (laughs) it's weird. Yeah. um, Yeah. So sometimes some people in. Other times, it's just really nice and clean to not have anyone in. But, you know, it, it mostly depends on the client.
1: Yeah. Those those just those big buildings, they're just not even intimidating to you at all. And, like, how do you, like, I know sometimes on your... They all still fit in a the frame. They so all still fit into a frame.
0: It's, you yeah. know, there's a vertical element. Like, okay, what should be over here? What's over there? What can you do? What can't you do? Um, Getting... Now the thing I will say about a big building is you'll probably want to uh, cheat your tripod height somehow to match kind of midpoint of the building. If, oh wow! Is that okay. if you can? Yeah. Um, we had this trick when I had a Honda Element that we'd put a massive light stand in the back in the back and put it out the uh, moonroof that was that's in mm-hmm. the back of those things. So we'd be driving around New York City with this like gun turret <laughs> in the back, and we'd have it yeah. like ratchet strapped down on the eye hooks inside. So you had this massive silver post out the top of the thing. But then you get there and you just put the camera on and you're just sitting on top of the car and you just put it up and you trigger it with an iPad or iPhone and you can get, you know, about 20, 30 feet up in the air. Wow. And it gives you a much better perspective so you're not like just straight up looking at this very kind of
1: weird thing. And you're not thing. worried about the camera flying off.
0: As long as you're shooting during the day. Di- oh, no, no, not that. You have stuff that locks it in really yeah. well. Um, And if it does, you got insurance. It's not the end of the world. It's just a piece I of I have technical gear. yeah you should i should <laughs> you really should here's my story about learning about that we were shooting uh you've heard of winslow homer artist no from the 1800s you should familiarize himself oh boy a really good artist <laughs> uh but he um he he owned a place up in prouts neck south of portland okay um and there's still a real estate agent in that area by the last name of homer really really uh you know, one of the real world famous artists actually from this area. Um, but he had built himself a house that he was going to rent out. And, you know, as an artist, he was never really that wealthy while he was living. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but he had this rental house, you know, and we were shooting. We b- shot both his garage that he lived in and would paint in. But then we were also photographing this house, which like some big record exec or something owned. And this was when I was first ish starting out. And I had light stands and we were in the hallway and I'm sitting there looking at these like million dollar pieces of art on the oh wall and I'm just like, Oh wow. And I have the pointy end of the light stand behind me and I'm holding <laughs> it, looking at this one. And I'd like step back to get a better look at it. And I'm like, wow, that's really incredible. And I go to turn around to see what's behind me in the light stand, was like that far from going through another like million dollar painting. Oh my God. And I had no insurance. I got insurance that day
1: that that is crazy
0: yeah the you never think it's gonna happen but for stuff like that you know you just gotta and it's peace of mind too like if you go and shoot something and then you leave your camera gear in the car and go eat don't ever leave the cards with the camera put them on you yeah because okay. you can get new camera gear but you don't want to have to go back and do another shoot you know i no way <laughs> so but yeah get
1: insurance okay noted <laughs> insurance <laughs> um yeah do you use drones ever because i just got a drone yep. you guys use a drone yep yeah do you, it, do you use it or yeah you fly? yeah we
0: have commercial blah 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 all that uh getting permission for flying is a lot easier now tim always handles it uh it's it <laughs> used to be really really difficult did to it? it okay for specific areas if you were going to do it commercially with a license and legally Uh, You could put a drone up anywhere and fly it and maybe kill some people. But, you know, to do it legally, usually I don't care about laws that much. But when it comes (laughs) to like obeying the laws because I'm a business acting with other business, I just won't cross those lines. Um, Like we were shooting for a good client outside of a it was a youth detention center. And they wanted to get a drone shot of just like 12 feet up in the air, which obviously wasn't going to hurt anything. Yeah but those things know and report to central authority where they're flying and i don't know that they're going to come for me and charge me the 50 grand that they say they will wow and i have friends that hack them and go fourteen thousand
1: feet up with them huh. in air traffic patterns seriously and like what are you that's crazy when you can't do this you know kind of my house because i live in portland it's a little annoying because i'm not anywhere near the airport like actually like miles away i know people who and will go up some like reason, thousands of feet right under yeah. the airport but for some reason like, it still Dude. says airport area oh yeah when it's nowhere it's near a the five mile port. radius i One. think i'm more than five miles really and so i, I well they're they're you can bypass are like it. a uh, yeah
0: they're upside down wedding cake
1: that's probably what it is yeah yeah so it might like, expand yeah, over
0: way. there where you might be pretty much anywhere now you can get permission to
1: fly up to like 100 feet so that's what know? i did i just fly i'm like 30 feet above the tree so it's yeah. no plane yeah. i hope it's 30 feet above my trees right like but you're not gonna endanger
0: someone if you're careful yeah. but you might be in danger from the authorities so For 50 that's, grand yeah yeah you, you want to pay attention to that i don't i don't mess around with that in the least because i know what can happen if that gets sucked into a jet engine or anything else and i just mm-hmm. don't It's not worth it. And like, even at that youth detention center, they just like 12 feet off the ground. I was like, normally I thumb my nose at laws, but not in this case, man, I'm not. Mm -mm. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, you know, it, yeah, but it's part of the thing that you have to be able to, do now, anyways, and they're so easy to fly. There's just there's nothing to it. Yeah, it was.
1: I was very surprised. So I got this DJI Mini Three because it's like under 249. It's 249 grams. So oh, yeah, right under the legal limit. So I can fly without a license. I don't know if you guys have one of the bigger ones.
0: Have, I'm using the Mavic Pro. Oh, yeah, on that, that one.
1: Yeah. yeah, that one's big. Um, and I was just like, wow. I don't know. It's because I played video games so i'm like good with controllers (laughs) but um when i went to um uh, north carolina for actually the youtube video i just made which was going on the appalachian trail and doing this like week-long backpacking trip which was absolutely gorgeous it was amazing i was with my sister and brother-in-law and um we were just i love the outdoors that's like why i want to like do nature photography and just travel Just like live in an RV. That's what my youngest son wants to do. He loves it. Yeah. And um, just being up on that mountain was like absolutely gorgeous. Sadly, actually, we could not take the drone there because it's a state park and the rangers are like seriously against it. They're going to come with their horses and they're (laughs) going to get you. But when we came down to like um, further down the mountain to this like park where we could fly it, um, I was just like, wow, this just goes up. This just goes forward twist i was like it's just 3d space manipulation that's it
0: you can just put a camera wherever in space it's not flying it's not flying that yeah my son flies (laughs) planes that he makes he makes them out of foam core and puts the electronics in and designs them and flies them. oh no kidding that's That's flying he's using the principles of staying in the air that's true (laughs) but this is four rotors and a computer that you tell it
1: where to go it, You're right. It's like a matrix. Yeah, was... you could
0: put it up there and be like, "Oh no, I forgot to go to the bathroom. Just put the controller down. Go use the restroom. <laughs> come back. It's yeah. still gonna be there." So, it. I watched people on the first few jobs that I did. I'd hire people to do drones because I was a little like, oh, well, "Okay, oh drones, you know." And they'd come and fly, and I'd watch them, and they'd be all like shaking and stuff, really? and I was like, oh, "I don't want to do this." Huh. And then I got one, and I, and I was like, "This is it." <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is so easy. Yeah, like, what, why did I mm-hmm. pay people? Yeah, it, it's super easy and and extremely safe as long
1: as you're not an idiot. And know. I've seen what, what's it called when the drones are the FPV ones FPV drones. That I got is. one of those. You did get one of those. How's that? So much fun. They are. Is it easier? It must be much more the hard. The Cine
0: one that DJI makes, the Avada. Mm, never heard of it. This thing's so cool. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like only about that big, and okay. it's got it's super noisy but Oof. it's got four little rotors but it has like a, a good cage around them so you can run into something and it just keeps going oh no kidding but you fly it through the goggles and you have like just a joystick that you just control it like that and a trigger for
1: um rpms so you do still have a joystick it's not yeah, like mentally it's,
0: it's like you're flying a jet like if they put it if they put you in a seat with a center thing <laughs> where you're yeah. doing this Like it's full on. That's what you're... That's crazy. And you can have a setting where you're like doing this, but as you're flying forward, you can look this way and it'll look that way as it's flying forward and then look back. Oh, It's insane. It's like really flying in a make-believe video game. And it's so fun because you're to turn, you're banking. You're not like turning and going. Oh, that's so cool. So you're (laughs) flying forward. So it's like this. And if you want to bank you like actually go like that and it like
1: you know it's like it's going around like a berm it's just like a fighter jet it's
0: just it's so cool that's awesome we were out in california and i was playing around with it and i would you know i would just chase things that would drive by (laughs) (laughs) and it's because i'd go like six inches off the ground just like 30 miles an hour you know we're on this big Back road somewhere. And it's just so cool because you can just fly in and then you're just like, it's like Star Wars. You that know? is awesome. You're just flying along and then you <laughs> can just all of a sudden like pull off and up. And that's so cool. And you get the visual of it. You're not watching a little drone do it. You know, it's just, is really do cool. Do you use
1: that on sites at all or not really?
0: I would. We just haven't had the opportunity yet.
1: I'd use it for actually flying through a space, is why I like, got like it. Like through a window. Yeah. Cause I know um, my client, they wanted me to like, Fly through a window, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm gonna test a lot real quick, cause like it's hard with the, with with the DJI Mini Three, it's like it's almost going sideways in a way. I know a lot of people go sideways, and I just I'm so scared to like hit the window, and also it doesn't have that protective cage around it. You can buy
0: a protection thing. You can, yeah, okay, you can buy little plastic things that'll go on. They're not as beefy as the Avada one, but um, and even with the Maverick, I I would only be Worried because the blades are spinning, you might mar up some walls yeah. or whatever, right? Um, But I think you can set a flight course, like fly it really slow once and program that course in and then ask it to repeat it and it can do it more quickly. Oh, seriously? I, I don't know for sure yeah, because I don't really get into the technicality of things too much. But most of the flying that I do, I'm just always kind of finding a flying it myself with the path. That you can do these things where you set the interest point and then just rotate around it and like i use the smokestack out here as a center point to go around
1: like helix it yeah and yeah. then so it naturally that's spins so cool. but
0: then you just give the uh elevation to it and so it does like a barber pole thing up and that's it, so awesome you know, it's super before drones man like y- you saw any footage like that in a movie and you're just like oh what a nice movie <laughs> you know yeah. and now it's like yeah here's the drone footage big deal, <laughs> but wow. it's super fun, so yeah yeah uh, they're they're definitely you have to have that in your arsenal these days, I think, and the ability to do video as well will put you in good stead, and you might get into doing video and respond to that and be like, oh, I love the storytelling aspect of this more than working in this like uh still frame scenario too, yeah, so
1: those. Those could be there. You can definitely express a lot more in a video than a picture. Yes, it's easier at least.
0: You can express more, but it's going to be a bigger job. Yeah, there's more people involved. It'll be a longer process. So, um, what I do uh, is is a really, really nice balance between time involved, money earned, um, all the way around. It's I've I've massaged it to a point where it's really nice. For me um but you know I, i'm pretty good at what i do too so i i got to do that yeah but it was not easy You it took a lot of effort and it took a lot of people trusting me and and supporting me and doing that and everything too so yeah it's it's a lot of
1: work <laughs> it's a lot of work and i'm, I'm like just getting started but we'll how, see
0: how does that feel being your age And in this climate with AI, with all the weirdness of political situations and everything too, like how's it feel being your age? And as much as you can say this today, but being a man that knows that you you are more likely to find your identity in what you do uh, than if you were female, it's just a higher 60 to 40 split. You'll have a high degree of your self-worth that comes through identifying with what you do it's it's just an inescapable inescapable psychological reality so you have this in front of you to say i need to make something of myself am i going to be able to do that and do you feel like you can with the things at your disposal
1: today so it's funny because i'm going to bring it back to the english teacher saying right about anything because that's honestly what it feels like it feels like I have so many things to choose from, so many different photography styles. Mm, yeah. And I don't know what to choose because I know a lot of people choosing wedding photography because it makes the most money. And I'm like, of course, I want money. Everybody wants to be a millionaire. But weddings can be fun. They can if you have the right personality type. Yeah. And of course, I think, I mean, I think I'm charismatic. So I think I could. No, no, do you'd pretty be you're successful. You've got
0: the, who's the F one driver?
1: Uh Louis you, Hamilton. No, no, no. Ricardo? yes yeah <laughs> you've got a lot of
0: daniel ricardo going on just with your smile your charm and your looks are very like people gravitate to that dude no matter what awesome and you'd make a great wedding photographer
1: um but you know do you enjoy doing that exactly because so it's, nice. it's do i enjoy it's do i want to enjoy something or make money and of course enjoy and make money is the best that and right but i don't know how much i would like to do wedding photography
0: you also need to know that no matter how much you enjoy it if money becomes dependent on execution of that thing you will lose part of the enjoyment of it exactly so if yeah to take surfing for example i i love surfing it's a pretty it kind of formed most all of my life the ability to be able to go and surf
1: i gotta ask for some tips by the way
0: okay <laughs> okay um you have to have a livelihood that's flexible enough to be able to go when you need to go especially Mm -hmm. if you live on the east coast yeah because waves only happen at very narrow windows yeah west coast like everyone just kind of lightly surfs east coast you have to be a surfer to get any to get to any level where you have the respect of people who actually know what they're doing it's it's more difficult on the east coast um, so that kind of forms a lot of the people I run into surfing, they have jobs that allow for the flexibility and schedule and it's intentional because of this addiction to surfing. Right now in that there is this guy, Andy Irons years ago that, um, he and his brother were insane talents. Uh, but I watched them fall out of professional surfing because they just got
1: bored with it. <laughs> no kidding. Well, wow. They're that good or the, no, just...
0: it, it. What they were doing was that they were trying to please others by doing the thing that they used to love. Mm, that hobby turned into it was just pure needed. grind. Yeah. Okay. So it, it wasn't anymore like, oh my goodness, I want to go surf because when you hit the water, that cool feeling and then the sun and the, you know. It was like if I got to get out there and I got to get two waves to the beach where I get at least an eight point seven and this, and if I don't, I'm gonna lose that contract and blah blah. It just becomes a completely different thing, foreign to to how you related to it before, right? Now I've never lost that with surfing because no one, I'm not good enough for anyone to you know put their name on me on a surfboard. It's not gonna happen. (laughs) But not with that um, attitude. In uh, in in teaching my kids to surf, I've lost some of what I got from surfing because it's become work in a way. Now there's Mm. this joy of passing on this thing that's amazing and great that I now see my kids gravitate towards and they love doing it, which is like, absolutely I'm gonna do that. But I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I haven't lost a part of it in doing that because it used to be that I could go and do that and forget about everything. Now when I go and do it I have to worry about sharks. I have to worry about how they're doing, how they got their wetsuit on, or are, are they okay? Mm. Are they like all of a sudden now I'm bringing all this different thing with me when I go to do that. I am more than happy to lose that in giving that to them. But if I lose that in trying to earn money, that's a completely different thing. Yeah. You know? And anything you enjoy doing as it becomes dependent on money, you will lose part of the enjoyment eventually i I hate that but if you're an artist if you can separate yourself from the financial part of it and just do the art that you do then you have a different situation okay there's a lot of like with this podcast i've never once looked at anything to do with any uh analytics nothing ever at all (laughs) all those graphs because i just enjoy being able to That planes flying really low that's weird they must be going into Portland, hmm. um, but <laughs> I really enjoy like one-on-one conversations about real things, not yeah. surface level whatever. Right? Exactly, going deep. Yeah, and and to me, this is like really, really valuable, and I'm, and I'm excited to talk to someone who's in my spot twenty some years ago. That's that's stinking cool because I went through that and and I made it, and it was not easy, but somehow i made it and if i can help others do that this this ability to exist in this way and to give to your children like or you know give to people in need around you or to to be able to enjoy in what you do and be an inspiration to others to be able to enact that in their life it's just far more valuable than getting more money to hoard you know yeah but at the same time there's this weirdness that you do have to protect that income the
1: two it so it's this weird kind of it brings me back to like i wish money didn't exist it's like i used to always be like i wish money didn't exist and then people would be like you can wish all you want like but there's you mean, communism nature. i'm like wait no not <laughs> communism but <laughs> human nature man it
0: that you know there's all this talk about the i get it that the here's an interesting thing I don't know how deep I could go with all that, but (laughs) the, as you make laws to remove social shaming for morality that societies felt should be there, uh, but then we make laws to prevent the shaming that kept the society and the culture in line to a degree, but were maybe evil in some ways too. As you make the laws, the culture then expands and loses in some ways the valuable things that that cultural shaming was protecting now this is a this is a minefield to even say but <laughs> if you look at um, in, and there's three different things to look at that are that are interesting and are each two of them are similar one of them's different this might be totally off topic, but hey, if you get canceled, then you don't have to worry about money anymore. There you go. <laughs> because you won't get any. <laughs> but, and, and I don't, I don't think this is evil or, or negative towards anyone at all. There's just something in the creation of laws that is both good and bad. That, that you have to, you have to admit that there's, okay, now that we're protecting things with this law, you also have to look at what is going to be lost with that. So, If you take, um, uh, not feminism, but in the emancipation of women is not the right term either, but with, with the movement towards not men, not being able to beat women and women being able to vote known properties, these are all like, well, duh. Yeah, of course. Basic human rights. Like basic human rights. Yes. And, and I fully agree that these laws should be in place because I a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. By making these laws that say women can do whatever they want, just like men. Okay, great. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Now, the thing that changes in the culture when you do that, if you're not careful, is that you start to imply that um, there's the people that are receiving the thing that you value most in the culture the people that are receiving those things from the culture, uh, we should all emulate that. The problem then is what are we emulating? We're emulating CEOs, very top of the tier business owners. Those people are not great people to live with. They're not. Anyone who's effective outside of their immediate sphere is able to do so by what they don't give in their closest needs, right? So if I were to be a world famous photographer, that you know, or or anything else that was highly regarded outside of who I really am, Mm -hmm. would pull so much of me away from the people who need me most. I I can't be world renowned while also being a world renowned father. Where's my value structure? Of course, it's going
1: to stay with my kids. I'm have to sacrifice something. Yeah. not fully sacrificed, but it's um, not a
0: absolute given. But yeah. if I'm that successful, I'm probably pulling from somewhere to be
1: that. And okay. the sad part is, like a lot of these CEOs and these people, they they go too much with the 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 money. And I don't know if you've seen these new like documentaries about Elton John and um, the new one about. Um, what was it? Elvis. Did you see that? Oh, the movie on Elvis? The movie on yeah. Elvis. I mean, Very cool. Just uppers it's just, and downers. Exactly. Just and it's like the his money. his agent's like not caring about his actual health. Oh, no. No. It's just money, money, money. money, money it's money. like, yeah, we're humans. Like you might be way more famous than me, but we're still humans. We still, we're all 18. We're still, you know, all these right. things. So
0: so the, the point I was trying to make here is that the by making laws to protect the evils that were happening to women, the thing that um, not directly intended that came with it was this change in our culture to think that there should be two spouses working outside the home because it was possible, much more possible now. And then just with World War II and everything, there was a shift of people working in factories, women working in factories where they would. So all the norms of the past that, worked towards keeping a little bit more of a nuclear family We're done away with. Uh, just that the idea becomes like, you're not limited to staying in the home anymore. You can do whatever you want. And then second comes in the expectation of like, well, why aren't you out there getting that money? Well, I'm not out there getting that money because I actually, I value spending time with my family and providing a beautiful place for our family to That's be That's more close. than any currency can and I mean you talk to people outside of American culture and they will value the woman as the most valuable part of any family to be the last person that would die in any situation that protect that at all costs you know but we we just take that the most valuable part of a family and we just throw it out into the workforce and go do the most valuable thing go earn money and then you get this culture that tells you you're more valuable working outside of the home. And if you stay in the home, you just work at home. And the the value of those close relationships, I mean, and, and it can totally be a guy that stays home and the woman goes and work. But yeah. I'm not saying that there's roles that have to be within lines here. Are you it's saying my one parents
1: parent... should be at the home
0: though? I Personally, I the... believe that one parent should be in charge of creating a space where a family knows this is us and and it is valuable and we put work into this i think that's
1: extremely valuable now i think of course best cases both parents can do that's the best case scenario but it can't really happen i i don't know that i agree with you completely there interesting Okay. if two people were home
0: trying to do the same thing i found that if you try and start a business with two people who want to do the same thing within a business there's too much conflict if you have a diversified approach, I'll go handle this, you handle that, great. I've run into plenty of people where the guy stays home and takes care of everything and he's just like a man of the home and he's <laughs> building stuff and, you know, and she's out like lawyering and engineering or whatever and that it works or it's switched. Now, the reality is that 60% of the time, the person that's going to have the emotional dispositions towards creating a good home environment will be the woman. Mm -hmm. 60% of the time, it'll be the man who's more likely to find their identity outside of the home. But that's just a 60-40 thing. And that's not even that big, you know. But now we have this culture that came along with the laws that says, go do the thing that we value most, go earn money. Now you get two people working outside of the home. They can afford more. Mortgage rates go up. Cost of living goes up. Everything goes up. You're more likely to go in debt. You're more likely to just be running ragged the whole time. I'm, I sound like a conservative stump speech here, but um, and the the negative effect there was that we start to turn towards what we improperly value as the most valuable thing, just simply money at this point, which is a fiat currency, which means nothing. It's just nothing. It's just pieces of paper that other people respect in exchange that you then get freedom. It honestly
1: shows that it's nothing with all of Bitcoin as well, which is a whole nother thing. But like, I mean, I know some of my (laughs) friends were, they like made a, they made their own uh, uh, digital coin. It wasn't Bitcoin, but they were like, okay, everybody buy our coin. We're like, you can just, that was when I first realized like, wow, anybody can literally make, it's not like it's going to work. But, yeah, that's you like, when
0: you just tell them that no profit is accepted in their hometown. <laughs> exactly. But, I'll um, buy that Bitcoin when
1: uh, Steve Jobs or you know whoever. Right, but um, yeah, just having that re- like reliance on currency and money and everything being like interest, everything or inflation, everything going up. It's yeah. just it, it does scare me a little bit that I'm pressured to not pursue what I want to pursue and pursue what I economically should have should pursue instead hmm. of what I feel like is the right thing. Right. I should hold, get more money.
0: hold on to that. What you think you should and what you want to. Yeah. Let me finish my point before I get canceled. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the, the idea is that the, the, by bringing in laws to eliminate social shaming or just downright evil practices that were happening. Like there's laws that said you could have beat your wife if it was something not thicker than your thumb kind of stuff in like Tennessee, Mm -hmm. you know, just horrendous stuff. Right. But laws come in to protect that. So then the, the general cultural expectation can shift towards an, an exaggeration of like go earn money. Right. Then you lose this, the importance of the family and the value of actually valuing someone to take care of that and to provide that. You know, we just need money and then we can have everything we want. Well, everything you want can't be bought. You know, some of the most valuable things are, there's no price on them. It's the choice. You get to choose to take that time rather than pay for that Mm -hmm. time. You can never buy it. So unless you work and whatever. So there's that right and the thing that we found in scandinavia they've been more equal uh with as far as the ability for equality rather than a forced expectation so scandinavia does not have policies that say we need 50% men 50% women in this field 50 okay. 50 50 50 that's called equality of outcome rather than equality of opportunity Scandinavia's had the most equality for opportunity for the longest, and the social scientists expected that what they would find is an evening out to 50-50 in all fields. The exact opposite happened. They gravitated Mm. towards social norms or psychological norms based on like a 60-40 split of common uh, female interests to male interests and blah, blah, blah. And my parents noticed this when they were there. It was just far more uh, young women out and about pushing baby strollers, everyone happily doing their thing, that like a society that does not shame you for one or the other, that you get a natural choice towards what you actually feel called to do rather than a society telling me you're most valuable if you go earn money.
1: So that was a weird thing. This is really interesting because this brings me into this like, crazy debate where do you think this could be in workplace as well but really with colleges like where they say we are going to split up our admissions to this amount of this like ethnicity and this people and this this sex and, I, and to me personally but like before i hear your opinion i just want to say like well yes we should be very inclusive if it's like a very like esteemed college you should just look blindly at the straight statistics. You should be like, well, this student is qualified, this student as students, not as like right. this woman from I don't know, Canada or this guy from like Asia, or, you know, like different it's just like oh if you're if you're Asian, you're less likely to get into Harvard because they'll look for you to have a higher GPA. Right. Exactly. And things Which like that. Which is like, like blown away the fact that how does that make any sense morally Legally, I,
0: I wonder if they base that policy off of they. They're just across the board. They're going to have a higher propensity for passing these tests because they've just got their schooling and everything down, and mm-hmm. they, you know, they maybe they recognize that like you guys aren't any more intelligent, but. They're producing a higher level of intelligence in your culture, so we're going to filter your culture to, which is to like, like give a cheat sort of discrimination. Or, yeah, I I don't really understand that. I also can't get too critical about that because I don't know enough about it. Okay, but it certainly seems like it should absolutely be a blind like. Do you have the GPA or like on yeah. on very materialist views of like these are our standards? Either meet them or don't. And if you feel like you've been, you're a victim, and you can't meet these standards, well, I'm sorry, but that's not our place to do that for you. I don't, I don't know what to do, but we're not going to lower the standards of this institution to manage someone who's been given a short shake on something. I. But at the same time, if you look at a population that's under resourced, uh, you know, the black population in America being against their will, stolen from another country, brought here, and then all of a sudden made free. And when they did that, I think the proposal was 40 acres and a mule and you had a really intense progression of black wealth and everything else happening. And I think there was a response from the white or white southern population. I'm not sure um, that was just kind of like, all right, hold on. They're doing too good. Like we got to rein these guys in cause they're going to get mad at what we did and we're going to be toast or I don't know what happened there, but to, to look at, a uh, population that has been for generations unfairly, uh, minimized and, and subjugated mm-hmm. is, is something that you have to acknowledge and accommodate. I don't know how to do that. One thought is that, you know, because they they talk about reparations, they being just the general, not they, they, them, you know. Um if if I were to be thinking along the lines of reparations, it's never a good idea to just simply give something to someone that they haven't earned. But if you give someone the opportunity for them to step into, then they're doing it themselves. And you're not going to spread yeah. freedom by tearing governments down and then installing democracy. A country has to earn their own freedom also they don't value it. That's what happened in Afghanistan. As soon as we left, they were like, "Here's the arms, Yeah, no, you guys were fine. You know, it was just gone like that. you mm-hmm. know, It's ridiculous. We should not it's be crazy. doing stuff like that. But if you look at reparations, before you even get to the difficulty of how do we decide who gets this? Because well, you're 116th and you're 124th and you're 100 in like how are you gonna do that? you yeah. know like is it a skin tone test? Like you can't that I, I don't I'm sure someone has an idea of how to do that. but if you said, look, for three generations any like if this is specifically reparations towards the injustice on the black population, all right, all all people who are can uh, you know apply for this, all black owned businesses untaxed for the next three generations all all people who can apply for this are get free education for the next three generations okay. the amount of self-accomplishment self-drive self-empowerment of the black community to do it themselves not with a bunch of help from these whining karen leftists <laughs> but actually like like here you go we all know you're more than capable of doing whatever you want and yeah we're really sorry about our shitty ancestors that did this here's the opportunity yeah like that would mean a shift of business ownership like you've never seen before because you'd have white owners of businesses going like can you own our business and we're going to pay you a percentage because if you own it, then there's no tax. And you get, you'd have all these things (laughs) of stuff like that happening, but then you'd also have like, you're not taking anything away from any current population to be upset about. So, okay. There's like my concerns off the table, like for what my ancestors did, I don't have to pay for, but they shouldn't be having to pay for what happened to their ancestors. So mm-hmm. why don't we create an opportunity between those two things to say, totally tax-free, totally free education for the next three generations. And maybe there's you know loans that go along with that, that are zero interest and everything else. Then you're going to have a bunch of white <laughs> business owners being like, we would love to give you money and work with you. We'd <laughs> love to give you money and work with you. I mean, there's ways of doing these things that are not that difficult it wouldn't seem but power structures once they have profit channels are very unlikely to change yeah and i don't know why i started talking
1: about this but, but <laughs> where how did we get here how do we get anywhere let's be honest conversations just that's what i love <laughs> just when it just flows this
0: yeah this is this is two uh open individuals just like yeah i want to talk about because this is interesting
1: yeah. yeah so photography though yeah <laughs> Photography. I mean, I got a lot from the man himself. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was saying, like, you were like, "Oh, it's great." Like talking to somebody like 18 year. I'm like, "Well, it's great to talk to somebody who's literally like what I want to be doing."
0: Yeah, um, I I never really had that opportunity. So it I'm I constant. If anyone approaches me, especially if it's through someone
1: that I know or talked to before, I'm much yeah. more likely to.
0: Do you know the ladies at Bowerbird there? Or?
1: Yeah. So I talked to Laura and um, and Liz Moss. Yep. Um and they were like, "Oh, this guy." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So, sure. okay. Laura gave me your number, and I was like, "What's up?" And you said, "Howdy." That's when I knew. How- Boom! <laughs> he, he's weird. a real surfer. <laughs> What's so, up, bro? <laughs> very informal. So, you want to get into surfing, or are I you do you want to get into. So, I um, uh, Laura's husband, Charlie, actually, he's a surfer. Yep, and he got me into surfing a little bit. I went to Hawaii recently, just this past summer, in um, Oahu. Not the other islands, and it was insane. And I surfed a little bit. Um, I, I can only catch like one or two waves, and all these other people were just flying. And I, were I was, you like it at Waikiki, or yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, you know, first of all, I loved how like at 5 a.m., I went on like a run, and they were just like all the like, 50 surfers already out there. I was like, How the hell oh, yeah. did you get out there? Um, yeah. but yeah, I just think the sport is really cool, and just being I love water, like I scuba dived, I got my scuba diving license. And so I just love water and I want to be able to surf. And the times I've tried haven't really worked. I know in it, Hawaii be like it's better than time. the East. I know, I mean, I'm sure you've been to Long Island to surf. Uh, I haven't, no. Okay, because that's where we're planning on surfing. Apparently, there's good waves near Montauk. So, yeah, it, with the East Coast, you just have to have, have a really
0: keen eye on the weather yeah and the systems that are generating swell um on the east coast it's going to be very hard to learn and track that but if you just watch Surfline, and as long as it's above three feet there's usually Mm -hmm. you just want some offshore winds and about three feet you'll be able to get some business done awesome how long did it take you like how did you get into surfing
1: um your parents or
0: i i lived in ohio when i was a kid for a few years and i remember seeing uh you know like they'll have you cut things out of a magazine and put them in a oh yeah (laughs) maybe that's an ancient thing no no no, they do that they do all the time so and right in the middle of it was this big old barrel and some guy riding in the barrel and then down to the left was like a machine gun like you know boy stuff (laughs) and uh but i always remember just having that fascination with it we would we started going on vacation to the outer banks in north carolina yep and i saw people surfing there in virginia beach and i was just like must do must do and the for the people that really get into it, it becomes uh like y- you're either 100% in or it's just like, oh, that was fun. Yeah. And for me, it was just like a complete... It's really great because if you're a surfer, Christmas is always just two weeks away hmm. because that's how the weather works. Interesting, yeah. You know, so like there'll be waves and then it's like, yes, and then they're gone and you're like, I'll get some stuff done. <laughs> when are the next waves? And yeah. it's like, ooh, looks like in the forecast, like a week out, there'll maybe be something. So I'm just going to get a bunch of work done here. And then I know that that's coming. And And it's kind of like a a will outside of you to help you manage, like focus on having fun playing.
1: It's not here now. Get work done. Yeah, And it's then fun. go back to that. And then go back to that. It's funny yeah. that you mentioned OBX because me and my friends are actually going to go down there for our trip. Yep. And we found these awesome Airbnbs and nobody was going to rent to 18-year-olds. And we were like, shit. You just need a tent, place. dude. A tent. I want to go camping, but they don't. Guys, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you made a big mistake. We could have. You guys are pan- <laughs> pan-
0: is pansies. An offensive term. You're flowers. Oh, there you go. Um, no, I, I lived out in my car in the Outer Banks for oh, yeah. five summers. I'd work at the Froggy Dog oh, the nights. God. And uh, we surf all day. Oh, yeah. I did that when I was 17.
1: Till 21 or whatever. Um, that actually just sounds like the life. <laughs> well, what did you do not in the summer? Um, I'd have to go to school. <laughs> oh, yeah. <What? laughs> Back when I was young. <laughs> um, but that, as a
0: 17-year-old, I cannot believe my parents let me do that. I just talked to a bunch of other friends into like, hey, I, w- I want to go down there and really learn to surf because you need to be within a, like a five-minute proximity to where you can surf if you're going to be a surfer. Yeah. If it's more than that, it's just highly likely that you'll miss everything. It, it's odd. I mean, five to 10 minutes. But um, I worked that out and it was weird because I was 17 years old and all of a sudden this just wide open horizon of, of adventure and unknown and I had to manage it all on my own. And show up to work on time. Don't lose your job. Learn how to, you know, manage your money. What little money you have, and it—it it was just so incredible. And the—the the freedom, and the and the the ability and the time to be bored, which no one has anymore because we have phones, which is a really bad thing. But that—that <laughs> that ability to actually get lost and disappear, yeah, that's not capable now. It was just you found yourself in that so much and yeah. it it's odd because it set up the whole rest of my life that one choice of choosing to go there just live out of my car surf during the day work at night and the the cycle of that and learning that i i could dream up something and do it was mm. very empowering and then after that i went and i worked as a high school teacher for 2 years in the Marshall Islands, which was some of the best time of my life as well before having a family. Um, And that was just out in the middle of the Pacific on a little atoll. I mean, just massive. That's awesome. Massive tiger sharks in the water, deadly waves and crazy (laughs) reef. But it was just, yeah, it was was amazing. And do you get afraid of the sharks at all? Yeah, all the time. You do? Yeah. You'll never get rid of
1: that because i like i i of course I watched jaws when I was a kid and the whole jaws sure. Morphia, whatever it did <laughs> and that actually didn't scare me I, I don't know why that movie never scared me and I, I actually love sharks so like when I' on scuba diving there was this like great uh white tip reef shark and I like went to try to touch it but like it went away from me and that's when I was like that's when I really knew like I wasn't afraid of it and it might have been because it was white tips a white tip. Nothing. Yeah, I know that's. Not, it might have been because it was white tip or your shark, and it wasn't a great white or tiger shark. So I was. And it's also because I didn't look like a seal with a with a whole big like surfboard under me that makes me look like a white animal they can
0: white eat. tips are like house cats. Yeah, <laughs> sharks sharks are like lions. Yeah, they're the same thing, just at different scale. And like your house cat will eat you if you're small enough. They don't give two about. If you were that big, you'd be dead. Now, if your dog saw you shrink down to that side, they're like, oh, no, who's going to feed me? <laughs> but, yeah, it. I remember in the Marshall Islands, like just going out and snorkeling over the reef where we'd surf, and the the water level go out over the reef gradually down to about where it was six feet deep maybe, and then uh-huh. it dove down to about 20 feet deep, and oh, then wow. gradually went out. For maybe like here to the building from the shore out there.
1: Oh, no kidding. Okay. And there it went continental shelf down. Like just a drop. Abyss. That, like, that actually terrifies me. One time well, I was like just walking around. I, it might have actually been in Hawaii, one of the other beaches. And it was no, it was, it's, I couldn't see the water. I couldn't see through because Hawaii was clear, yeah. but it was somewhere. And I'm just walking and then boom, I just like fall through. I was like, what just happened? Why can I not stand here? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, there the water is crystal clear and you could see everything. That's but good. Yeah. We'd we'd snorkel out there and like the gray reef sharks are the ones you have to worry about as far as reef sharks. Okay. But then we'd have white and black tip sharks. Now, oceanic white tip, you'll only see once and then you'll be dead. They eat whatever they come across. <laughs> but um. But we'd be out there snorkeling, and you'd see, like, I saw a manta ray, the big, big one. Oh, wow. It gorgeous. He came up off the shelf just for a second and then just back down. Like, you just all of a sudden, like,
1: emerge from the this depths. This
0: massive plane sized thing, just, you're just like,
1: Rrr! you know, and That's he, good. Yeah. one <laughs> flap, and he
0: back down, just disappears. Yeah. And it's like you saw this giant out of the deep all of a sudden. That That's was so, so funny because cool. I
1: feel like, at least what I've heard from my surfing documentaries, people are like, you're one with the sharks, but you're like, hell no, these things are scary. They can eat me. Um, I I mean, everyone's
0: different, but I mean, we'd be out snorkeling and as you're coming in, you'd turn around and the sharks would be coming up on your flippers. And as soon as you make eye contact with them, they bolt. Oh, you got to really watch your back. It it wasn't that they were coming to try and take a bite out of you, but they're like dogs in that they're like kind of going to sniff. And then you, they see eye contact. They know that. And then they're just, boom, you know? And I had this one experience where I saw this probably six foot reef shark. He kept coming up at this one spot and going down at another spot, coming like he Mm -hmm. was stuck in a loop. Oh my God. And so I, I had this, um, what do they call them it's just a big rubber band on a stick with three metal prongs at the end it's like spear gun oh, spearfish it's yeah spearfish. but it's they call it a specific something It's not oh, like a okay. spear gun it's a i don't know but uh and i had that and i was like oh i'm gonna go over there and, and watch where this shark comes up and i was literally about here to that blue chair just or green whatever it is <laughs> and i like had the thing fully stretched and you could shoot this thing into a door or this a tree and hang on it it like had some oh my power. God. yeah and so i'm sitting there and got it cocked and i'm waiting for the shark i wasn't i wasn't planning on hitting him i just wanted to get close and see him because i knew he was going to come up there again as soon as he comes up he turned towards me and put his, fec- his fins down in attack mode and because i surprised him i guess and as soon as i saw that i just panicked and let the thing go it sounded like and fell to the ground when it hit him
1: it hit him yeah Oh my god. Like full
0: broadside, like, no kidding. He was kind of like doing this and looking at me, and it's just, and like, boom. And I was like, oh my goodness. And as soon as it hit him, it freaked him, and he took off. It didn't get through, it didn't impale. It did not impenetrate, nothing. And
1: I was just like,
0: Ooh, <laughs> and that was just the fact a that it did not th- I Yeah,
1: I don't know if it's scary if the fact that he was about to get you or the fact that I your spear gun didn't. Or I don't know
0: if he would anything. have attacked me or not, but it was definitely an, an alarming all of a sudden yeah. situation. Um, I've been chased out of the water by tiger sharks, big seriously, ones, big ones. Yeah, not oh I, he wasn't coming for me, but it was like from here to the window, yeah. and he we were out at Magic Island to the north of Waikiki, I think. And it was like a 12 foot wave and there's this massive tiger shark with his dorsal fin sticking out of the wave, riding the wave like a dolphin, Hmm. not like full on, but like he was gliding along with it for a second and he could have taken a right and come for me, but he took a left and went the other way. And I kind of like cleaned my board shorts out and went in very quickly, (laughs) but that's the biggest shark I've ever seen in person. But like around here, if you run into a shark,
1: they're going to be a big one. Yeah. Yeah. God, I heard like some great whites were around this area. And I was like, what's Just the heck? up
0: around Portland, a woman was bitten completely yeah. in half a couple summers ago. I and understand. I was out the weekend before on our little dinghy in that area. And I just all of a sudden freaked got you out. panicked. Like, I was, it was me and my two boys around Eagle Island in Casco Bay. We're on the ocean side. And all of a sudden, the water is just black under you. And you can tell, like, this is really deep. And It's just a little fabric, yeah. inflatable thing. Oh, my and I was God. just going along and I was like, something all of a sudden spooked me, and I was just like, Warp! and we turned right around, went back to the boat. And like that next weekend, that woman got bit in half. And oh,
1: was, wow, that's crazy! Yeah,
0: I'm I don't know if I like had some spidey sense or what, but I didn't see anything, I didn't nothing, but I was just like, this is creeping me out. Good
1: call, that's crazy, but I.
0: I, anytime I'm out surfing with my kids, I'm just constantly looking for sharks. It just freaks me
1: out. But I'm probably more than most people. And if you so. see one, is that your cue, like you're done? Or do you sometimes give it a chance? Oddly,
0: I've seen a shark fin in the water and looked around and no one else did anything. So I was like, eh, all right. <laughs> and then you see drone footage. They're all over. Yeah, that's when I was like,
1: what the hell? I yeah. saw these, like drone footage over some crystal clear water. I was like... There's a fin here, fin here, fin here, fin yeah. here. I was like, and it's again, honestly pretty, it's, but it's not I wasn't the, in the water. To... It's
0: not the little ones that you got to worry about really, unless you're in Florida and they're, you're going to get like flesh wounds. But, mm-hmm. you know, around here, if you encounter a shark, it's probably one that's, you know, going to take a significant tax. <laughs> oh,
1: I hate that. But
0: no. what are you going to do? Not go in the water? Yeah.
1: That's not really a choice. <laughs> <laughs> no. Got to go no. for it. So, yeah. But,
0: yeah, if if... You know the advice is that just if if you love it you won't need advice. So yeah, if you end up loving it, um, make sure you get the right kind of wetsuit. Uh, start out with a bigger board, okay, and start big. And like twice a year, maybe gravitate
1: towards a little bit smaller board if you're able to do it consistently. And interesting, because when I snowboard, I I always like smaller ones, yeah, because they can turn faster. Yeah, but this that'll neighbors- be a detriment for trying to learn because
0: with a snowboard you can just start at the bottom and get the ability to attempt what you're doing the entire way down with surfing you have to first paddle yourself out there there's no lift and that can be really difficult at times like i'm out of shape right now and i was kind (laughs) of sore um and then your amount of time on a wave especially around here is going to be extremely short yeah so go to higgins and just catch the whitewater and ride that'll be your closest thing to uh to Waikiki and just ride, go straight. And once you're up, just kind of like, all right, I'll try and go right a bit. I'll try and go hmm. left. Yeah. And then next time try and catch the wave before it's white water. And then go with the direction that the white water is breaking. Try and go that way. And and just the best thing you can do, big as like start out with a longboard and just slowly graduate down. You need to know that that there's a lot of territorial, like Society could fall apart and surfing will be the same. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So you will get punched in the face if you do the wrong thing. Yeah. And it's... Don't go on somebody's
1: turf when they're surfing.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of places around here that are like that as much. But if you run across a place where there's only a few people out and it was a hard place to get to, you're probably going to get some... Someone's going to wax your car, yell at you, run you off maybe. Wow. Um, But... Also, if you come alone and you're respectful and you never, uh, are bringing anyone else and they, they have every impetus to say, give this guy a chance. If he's going to be respectful, we're not going to bother him. Now, if they're real a-holes, they'll bother you. But that's crazy. the, the gentleman's agreement is like, come alone. If you're coming somewhere new, uh, wait your turn
1: don't don't be overly aggressive and and you'll be fine oh my gosh it was horrible in waikiki it was like that 80 people yeah that's like an extreme scenario but there's literally like eight people on one wave and this one paddleboarder was like destroying everybody it was actually hilarious he was like riding the wave and it was actually pretty impressive but i just saw like like this like novice person like i went into my own little area i try to at least i just saw this one person like totally steal this guy's wave he got pissed and i was like Yeah, like that's crazy.
0: I've <laughs> trained my kids pretty well. They yeah. know how to work a lineup, and uh, that's good. They've taken a lot of people by surprise. <laughs> they'll, you know, they'll look at a kid and they'll drop in on him. And, and I've trained my youngest son, who's really aggressive. I've I've trained him to just be like, "Excuse me," <laughs> and so they'll be <laughs> no like, kidding. <laughs> 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 you know, like, awesome. oh, all right. all right. So yeah, yeah, it's a it, it's an interesting sport because it maintains itself um in that sense and it and it's funny because with the newer generation uh, you you do start to see people who are getting into it who come across as very entitled like i'm just going to come out here and take whatever i want and try whatever i want because i'm entitled to whatever i want and and to see that play out in the water is pretty funny so <laughs> it, yeah
1: it's that's how it works
0: it the the ocean is such a regulator on its own that that kind of attitude um really gets you in a tight spot eventually, not even from a human perspective, but the ocean will put you in your place so quickly. So wow. it yeah, yeah, it it's a really great thing to have in your life, um as just physical fitness, the encouragement, the the time alone, the time to think, the the things that you learn f- by interacting with something that's hundred percent unpredictable. Mm-hmm. That's and the other thing is you're you're interacting with kind of the purest translation of pure energy into matter. That that water is not actually moving. The water molecules stay behind as the wave passes through it. The thing that's moving is the energy through the water. Hmm. And the molecules of water kind of move, but they still are here. Oh, are you that kidding? That's I mean, it's not like this water is traveling no, is. all the no. way from Africa where this swell started. Yeah. It's the energy moving through the element. So like right huh. now, you're hearing sound waves from me. That's going through. But it's not matter of air. The particles of air didn't move from here to you for you to be able to hear it. It bounced off of every air particle between here and there and that's what is happening with the waves in the water yeah it's just you can see them because they're bigger and they line up and yeah and so that learning to capture and and move with that energy is is uh if you think about it is a is a pretty deep uh process that you know unfortunately i'm not that graceful and it it looks very (laughs) clumsy at times and blah 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 but it's just it's that like infinitely novel thing. There's, you never get enough. Yeah, so it's, it's addictive. Yeah, and for a personality that's open for me, it's like I never know what I'm getting and it's never the same. So it's definitely
1: one of the better things to be addicted to. Well, that's, yeah. That sounds it, awesome. Yeah, it's- Can't wait. I'd highly recommend it. <laughs> Is there like a like a like a, a website that you use for surfing like that you can like see when forecasting, the next thing, and stuff. yeah, for forecasting. There
0: used to be Magic Seaweed. Unfortunately, they were bought out by Surfline, and now, like, this okay. is just in the last week. I'm currently like, wonder what the waves are going. to... Ah, crap. Mm. So, if you just get a Surfline membership, oh, it is a membership. Yeah, that's a yeah. shame. Yeah, I don't know though. I think you can probably get like a five day, three five day forecast for free. But then, if you're getting like a two week, what to look for because yeah. you're lurking to like, do I want to schedule a work around that time? yeah okay it's my second calendar i checked (laughs) (laughs) that's great (laughs) so are you busy that day let me check both my calendars yeah Yeah. but yeah it uh i'd highly recommend it and it uh making a living as a photographer allows for that but it also when you do have work you can't get out of it as well whereas if you have the desk job and flexibility. At least you suck most of the time, but when there's waves, you get freedom. But yeah, yeah. I'd I'd take my situation currently. So <laughs> there you go. Any other any other good questions you got
1: for? Um, what's the best food place around here? Because I'm starving. <laughs>
0: I, let's see. What kind of food do you like?
1: Um, sandwiches. Paninis or sandwiches or let's see.
0: There's there's Magnus on the water down here to start at the lower end of Main Street that is really good. Supposedly I've never been there, and I don't think they're probably open for lunch up okay. from there. You have uh Q Hong, which is a Vietnamese restaurant. Interesting. That's that is really good. Today's Monday. Today's Monday, All yeah. Right, you're gonna be <laughs> short on options. Okay. Um the let's see, up from there there's Aldo or something. There's a little cafe place that does have sandwiches and stuff that has just like a round bulb with a rabbit on it outside over here. Interesting. Uh there's the rotisserie place kind of right across from that. So if you just go over to Main Street and start walking up. Main Street just has everything. It has a bunch of really good restaurants. But it's funny, I was just my wife and I were down in uh Portsmouth for our 21st anniversary
1: oh nice and everyone
0: we ran into that was like where are you guys from you're like bitterford and they were like oh wow that's a really up-and-coming place and we're just like dude we've lived there since 2003 and it was like everyone was like why do you live in bitterford you know that's a good
1: investment because i'm sure it was much cheaper than
0: yeah, it, it's really interesting because I intentionally moved here without knowing it.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: it, it Like I wanted to be in a place where I had the freedom of a space like this yeah. to, to say this is low cost, high creativity, high authenticity, but low, low financial strain. So you had the ability to focus on the creativity that you wanted to do rather than taking all of your assets and giving it to a a town enter or an environment that can charge it because it's already been made nice by creative people, now owned by less creative people that milk it for money. That's yeah. Portland. Yeah. And it's a nice place. And if you can afford to live there, great. And if you can afford to live there as a creative, you must be doing extremely well. But I still just don't like to live in someone else's creation. I, there, there's something about like Bitterford had potential, and I was able to uh, somewhat contribute to that in what little way I was able to, but also um, watch it happening and benefit from somewhere that was more in work rather than finished. Yeah. So now Bitterford, the prices are pretty high now, which is odd. <sighs> so the next place is kind of like probably Sandford. So. Yeah. And that's way too far from the ocean. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Bitterford's still your only option. Well, I bet Old Orchard will probably be cheaper here soon. Mm -hmm. So, and Old Orchard actually has really good waves for learning. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really gradual beach. So the waves are I like those. Those are nice. Yeah, Yeah.
1: you can walk out quite a bit.
0: I mean, like even today, if you went up, uh, I might go surfing again later today, but like the north end of Old Orchard is, uh, is, probably going to be pretty good today just probably like waist high and easy so nice hmm. but yeah the health food store here in town's really good too i, I, have I usually to, go
1: there for the sweet potato chili so have to check that out and those waves.
0: <laughs> and those ways <laughs> <But>
1: yeah <laughs> all yeah.
0: right anything else not on my side what about you I would, we could probably go on forever <laughs> and just forget about stuff but Um, so you're planning on you're this next year, you're going to be in Israel for the whole year working as an EMT potentially. Yeah. So
1: I'm getting my EMT certification in Israel. It's a very rigorous 10 day. Do you have
0: family over there? I do. Yeah. My mom's side
1: of the family lives there and it's a 10 day course, which sounds like not a lot of time, but it's from 8 AM to 8 PM straight. That's going to be a lot. So it's a hundred, it is like 120 hours of just complete course. And then I'm going to be on an ambulance. And then for the summer and then for the fall, I'm going to be doing this like gap year program in Israel where it's awesome You like tr- travel a little bit and you get another history and um, I get my Hebrew a lot better. Um, and then Now, do they
0: speak primarily Hebrew in Israel?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but it's probably like you can pretty easily
0: find people. That That's why I was English. like.
1: I was really impressed because I mean, I speak Hebrew. My family speaks Hebrew like at home as our second language. Or honestly, first and first. But you can go to like... Honestly, Israel is a beautiful place to visit. The beaches are great, and you can speak English. And There's everybody will understand too. Everybody will understand English. I mean, you just go and you say like, I mean, my family, my like my aunt, her English is almost. I, I actually think it is better than mine. <laughs> and I'm like, it's very like, I, it's very impressive because like, I speak it every day. But um, yeah. So don't be afraid to not go to Israel just because of the language barrier or right. the, the safety in politics because the media. It doesn't show what it's really like. It's really a great place to visit. Most any place you'll go yeah. in the world, outside of America,
0: probably safer in America. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honest, sad to say, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we actually live with so many sketchy situations, but just
1: because you're familiar with them, they don't feel dangerous. You know. I heard in Norway, I took sociology. People like will just leave your kids on the street and you'll go into a store doesn't happen here at all like here you like take you like strapping a kid to your body you're like yeah i'm protecting you from all the bad people i had a friend of mine was in a meeting
0: in portland gave no he was in a meeting with a client the client gave their kid like 10 bucks and said yeah go get some ice cream or whatever we'll be here come back kid was like 10 or 12 i think and like 15 minutes later the kid comes back with uh some massive federal agent holding the kid. What? This is a, this is from a person- This Portland here. Yes. <sighs> this is from a person that I've known my whole life who does not exaggerate and is not intimidated. This guy is the most testosterone aggressive <laughs> person I <laughs> Love know. Love that, yeah. Okay? So he says this guy comes into the room and everyone there immediate was like, this guy's the authority, we're going to listen to that guy. <laughs> He said the guy was like in the suit of like someone of extreme authority, but it's just a shoot. You could tell the guy was built, not a ounce (laughs) of fat on him, and entered the room with all the authority of any room he could enter in the country, kind of. It was just this presence of like, what the heck? That ass. Brings a kid in and was like, do not let your kids go out on the street here. We're conducting an operation that, just don't let your kids go out on the street here. Oh my God. (laughs) And left and and the guy had a gun and stuff i guess and everyone and i guess you know was just like what the hell just is that going problem? on like That's and crazy. the kid was just kind of like
1: i don't know i went to get some ice cream yeah
0: you yeah. know and yeah it there's a lot of weird stuff going on these days but you never know until you, you run into it you yeah. know i mean i've not hitchhiked but i mean i've traveled through central America and it, I mean, you're you're always a target if you look like you're an American when you go out of the country and wealthy, whatever. But at the same time, man, America is a dangerous
1: place, too. Mm -hmm. So get out there. Just get out there. So after that, I'm just going to come back through Europe, see what I hit and come back here and either start college or continue with photography and i mean honestly i'll be continue with photography through college but
0: now what is it you'd like to no pun intended focus on with photography primarily um
1: i mean i feel like everybody says this but like national geographic is like the dream yep. and being able to like being paid to travel to places all around the world and be like a nomad mm-hmm. that's that's the dream to be yep. like a nomad not have to have a place like call home but the world can be my home. I can like go anywhere and feel safe. And honestly, it's not even about feeling safe. Cause I love, I'm kind of a daredevil. I love taking risks and doing fun yeah. things. Um, it's more just seeing what's out there, not seeing it through uh, TV or the news. It's more seeing it with my own eyes, seeing what's really true. Right. And it's experiencing right. new places and cultures. It,
0: I got a buddy, Joe Carter, who uh, I was on a surf trip in Nicaragua with him he's got a disconnect like he just wanders into anything yeah. anywhere and like i'm too scared to do that on my own and in like social situations mm-hmm. in a in a foreign place like that i really like to have someone who at least knows the language oh, and yeah. you know just at least a sidekick to you know <laughs> but he was like yeah i'm just gonna go and i was like heck yeah <laughs> let's go and the other guys we were there with were just like Yeah. Hey. No, they stay in the boundaries of the camp where you're surfing, mm-hmm. you know. But he wants to get out. Like, he just wanders in and out of alleys and stuff and will interact that. with, like, yeah. a Nicaraguan family hanging out in their house. He's like, hey, do you mind if I take your prank? You know? <laughs> wow. Well, so yeah. I had, I followed him to this. It was like a, Geez, what would you call it? It was like a, a makeshift bullfight. And oh, cool. They okay? They had built, yeah. like, a two-story thing that just people you know how like bees will swarm onto things Mm -hmm, of course people had swarmed onto this (laughs) and underneath it was a very shoddily constructed wood structure and in the middle was just bowls and wow they're fighting each other It was kind of like a rodeo where they'd put a guy with like a skateboard helmet on (laughs) that that was half drunk on the bull and they let it (laughs) loose and the kid and people would run into the ring and just like, ah, and then the bull would come at him and they'd run to the fence and dive under the fence. It was insane. That is crazy. And. I, I, he just like wandered all over that thing. He went on the ground floor. So you're underneath all the people up top, like potentially yeah. throwing up, spitting, and urinating. Oh my God. You're on the first floor in here. It was so intense. And like, there's always in those things, there'll be kids that are just like, hey, money, money, you know, and I don't know the language well enough. And I'm just like, ah, ah, ah. and he just like threw the whole thing, no problem. Like, Love He's that. the strangest guy like that, and I just wish like it's so fun to go with him and do stuff like that. But it's spontaneous, just doing the whatever. the photos I got from it are just like so cool. There was this girl there, and she was just in the shaft of light, and she had this hat on, and she just looked like right at me, knowing I was taking the photo, and gave me this look, you know, and then. There's these, this one shot of this bull coming right at me. Oh my God. And there's a foot coming into frame with it, just a flip flop on it. You know, he's out there running from a bowl in uneven yeah. and uneven ground in flip flops. And there's like a beer half flying with beer coming out of it no over here. No way. That is the perfect shot. <laughs> oh, it's insane. And uh, are I mean, you
1: worried about like people like taking your lenses and stuff when you're there? You or just, you just go with one camera, on one, camera lens, one lens, and oh, two really, hands one lens. on it. And
0: wow. yeah. And I mean a lot of times I'll just I love going out with just a little Fuji um the little point and shoot guy that looks oh, all retro cool. and stuff. Okay, in yeah. that case I think I probably had a 2470 and a Canon uh okay. Mark III, whatever. Um but the, I I love that kind of stuff. It's it's super fun. Um but I I just never found how to monetize that as as well.
1: So I I yeah, like portraits. And those t- styles, yeah. And I'm tried.
0: not, I'm not a, I'm not a social person that can evoke that same feeling out of people. I I mm-hmm. feel kind of like a robot when I approach people, and I'm I'm kind of off putting. Um, where my buddy Joe's this this really humble, non obtrusive. You know, he's just he knows how to do it, and I can watch him do it. And if I'm on his coattails, I can kind of like, okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's got a lot of lot of talent, and the stuff he sees is just so so cool. Um, but yeah, those situations are just wandering like that, like I did a project on interviewing homeless people in Portland because I had heard that there was like a homeless mafia that controlled no certain way. points you where you could that's crazy panhandle. And so I was like, I I had a week you know a week of no work and so i was like i'm gonna go out there every day and find these homeless camps that happen in between highway turn things and strip malls that are just force that no one cares about and like get footage of these
1: things and find some people to interview and Did see you talk to them? On. like you said kind of your, like, or like yeah how does that always work when you're in the field kind of take your picture or you just
0: yeah you just i i got um i got probably 35 dollar uh, Dunkin' Donuts gift cards. Mm. And so I'd be like, Hey, do you mind if I interview you Wait, around dirty? the homelessness situation and I'll give you a $5 Dunkin' Donuts gift card? Okay. $35 like, gift cards, not right, $35. gift. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, and, and I would just approach people that way. I set up a thing over here too, where I just had a, uh, a, a cooler of like Cokes and I had a lighting set up and I'd be like, hey, I'll, you know, trade you soda for your portrait. And so anyone walking by was <laughs> just awesome. like, okay. So I got like mailmen and an ex-stripper and like homeless know, people wow. and, you know, whoever coming through. And that was really fun and interesting. Um, but the homeless project was really interesting because we actually got to the homeless camps out in the woods and they were actually really organized. They had little really? gardens they were growing. Nice. You could see inside the tents that, like, they were neatly, like, wow, you know. And, and I found there's that's no, great. there's no homeless mafia controlling anything. It was just, you found that there was primarily three to four issues around homelessness. And it was either mental disorder that's untreated, drug addiction, or, um, uh, health issues causing late, late age bankruptcy kind of stuff. So you'd have, like, you know, a husband and wife in their late sixties that are just homeless because mm. of health issues.
1: Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just so the
0: saddest sad. thing to see. Um, but unfortunately most of the audio of all, it was pretty bad. I didn't really know what I was doing at the time, but oh, okay. we got, I mean, we interviewed some guy that had died seven times. Are
1: you kidding me? That's they just crazy. Keep
0: stabbing him and bringing him back, you know? And he's like, yeah, I'll probably die. And then, you know, you could tell as soon as we were done with the interview, he was off to get a hit, you know? And huh? It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a really weird situation. And the thing that they pointed out is that everyone in that homeless situation in Portland is in this this little radius of here's where you can stay for free for the night. Here's where you can get uh, your drug rehab going, but only for a week to get over the dope sickness. But you're still like socially and everything. You're still in that that system. You're still like you're still your friends are still doing drugs and you're yeah. still dependent on these free meals, and all these drugs are right here with all your friends. There's no way you're not getting back into it, you know. So you you've got the the homeless shelter to, where you can stay. You have your free food, and then you have your methadone clinic, and and it's like there you just get caught in that cycle. And they're like, I who designed this? This is not working well for us. And they'll all just tell you that. Yeah. And they're like, you know, thanks, we get to do drugs endlessly here. And most of us are dying, but it's not ending this, you know. And th- they'll tell you they need a tougher love approach, but the people doing it, you know, they're, they're at a loss for like what they can actually do. So it, mm-hmm. it's a hard situation, really
1: hard. It was, it was sad to see. It was just such hopelessness. You yeah, know, there's not like one solution to it it which is the worst part like obviously it would have already been done yeah and i mean in nicaragua you'd come across people that there was this
0: guy who i think he was paralyzed from the waist down but mm -hmm. he had a container full of shoes behind him he'd come every day in his wheelchair open the thing up people would drop off shoes and he just sat there all day fixing shoes wow and at the end of the day he closed his container up and went home and the guy i got a portrait of him I think he was there was two guys there. I'm not sure if he's the one that was in the wheelchair, but he had like his coloring was kind of Nicar Nicaragua. I forget the what they call themselves Nicaraguan. Nicaraguan, you know Nicaraguan. But he had these ice, like almost white blue eyes. Oh, wow. And it was so, it was just the most amazing, like, whoa, dude. You know, I was yeah. like, can I get your portrait? He's Like, sure. It's super, <laughs> he's super nice He's like, I nice get that guy. a lot. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> he, was, he was down a deep alley. Yeah. Down. Oh, wow. But I mean, it was like, here's a guy who's faced with extreme hardship in his life, but he's making it happen every day. You know, he's not, he's not falling into like seeing himself as a victim and, and allowing for, like this coddling of him, like he like he had self worth and a purpose every day, and he was there doing it, and it was yeah. just I don't know if that's the right approach or what we're doing, but either way it was it was it was an interesting contrast to see, and that's you know in filling out your map of reality, it's one of those things you know, and the more you get to know life outside of the u s the more strange and just comical this existence seems hmm. to me, so wow. It's weird. But. Well, if that's not deep. I don't know, I don't know what is. <laughs> well, for today, well, uh, appreciate you coming down and, and yeah. allowing me to to turn this into a podcast. So thank you for having can me. Can people find you on Instagram? Yeah, stuff if so you want, or?
1: KobeCon, um, Kobe dot Con k-o-b-i dot k-a-h-n right. is my uh instagram and youtube where i will be posting my first youtube video Nice, right after this probably <laughs> cool um, well you can we can send yeah.
0: you this video to put on there about uh if you want to oh so. my god
1: that'd be awesome Sweet.
0: so this will be the whole like uh business plan of your life coming up see like check in, in and i'll have that years. i'll have that mr beast like title clickbait <laughs> <laughs> press clickbait. this to change
1: your life <laughs> <laughs> like on
0: the, it's always someone with very white teeth and very white uh sclera, they call it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you look at any of the thumbnails, they make the the do white of the eyes ultimately white. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Beast throw is like that too. And That's crazy. But if have you listened to interviews with him? Of course, yeah. Just absolute gaming the system. Like and good for him. It it's it's interesting. Like he's doing what he wants to do and, and he's doing it like yeah. he's created a business like just an insane business model out of just YouTube videos. You know, if told you told your mom, you know, now I'm going to do YouTube videos. Like, uh, no, you're not. You're going to be hopelessly broke and ridiculous. It's a billion dollars later. like, Hey, when, when do you got to say no? Wow. Yeah. Anyways, check out Kobe Khan at Kobe.com. K A H N dudes going to Israel for the next
1: year. Yeah. So should have some really cool stuff. Oh, I'm post. definitely gonna take some awesome, uh, pictures and videos I'll, I will be following along and commenting oh, sweet <laughs> and and I will be jealousizing your um your adventure abroad I think okay. I'm going to try to do a day in the life of an EMT we'll see if they let me take a GoPro strap to my chest but I wonder <laughs> like how much you can you can you know
0: translate the experience from Israeli to American yeah. the, you know the
1: the reality I'll do of my the best real. to find like the actual on the street what it's like yeah, so yeah yeah it's such a beautiful place mm-hmm. and i need to go sometime. so oh, definitely cool well
0: thanks for coming down yeah thank you